This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Moded Studios Embroidered Patches and Apparel. Go to modedstudios.com to find all the latest and greatest in patches and apparel. One of my favorite patches that I particularly like is Baby Yoda from the Mandalorian meme, the child-inspired, <laughs> fully embroidered patch. They also have the fully embroidered patch beanie for the Baby Yoda. <laughs> also, I like the Bernie Sanders, I am once again asking patch, uh, the 2020 presidential campaign meme embroidered patch. Go to modedstudios.com and place your order now. They're always updating their website and they do custom work. M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. Go to Moded Studios now and get some. Now on with the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Jay Shrub of Shrub. Uh, Shrub is a uh, Columbus, Ohio-based reggae rap rock band, and uh, they've been around for a while. And uh, Jay has been on hiatus for the last couple of years, but he's back with a new album called Back to Earth. It was out May 15th, so last Friday. Uh, it's available now on all streaming platforms, so go out and listen. I'm not sure about the physical copies. You can ask Jay about that. Go to shrublove.com. That's S-H... Oops, excuse me. Wait a second. Yes. <laughs> S-H-R-U-B-L-O-V-E.com. I had a lot of trouble with getting all of his names right and song names right during the interview which you'll hear and he makes fun of me for uh rightly so <sighs> sometimes you know you come into these situations you think you're prepared but it all just falls apart uh <laughs> but jay was a great sport about it he was super honest and he was just a funny dude he had great stories he has a great story about michael jackson that he tells at the end so stick around also just a heads up we are doing this on instagram live when we recorded this so there is references to instagram but uh I don't know how much we're going to be doing that. I, I just love the live aspect of the show. And so I was thinking about just doing uh, uh, just the Q&A on Instagram Live. And Instagram puts on this horrible 45-minute time limit. So, geez. So there's that to contend with. In the middle of the podcast, we have to, like, restart the Instagram Live. So you'll see once we get there. But that's not for a minute here. Uh, I do want to take care of... Um, I do want to take care of some business before we jump into the podcast or to the conversation. So first, I want to shout out a big thank you to, I don't know how you say this, but it's P-U-L-Q-S-W-A-Q-C-G, Pulkswatchg. I don't know what that is, but they left a review for us on iTunes. And as you guys know, I don't ask for money for this podcast. All I ask is that you go leave me a, a, a review on iTunes. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes, please just go leave us a review on iTunes. That's all I want. 
don't care about money oh and support our sponsor please boatedstudios.com you heard that opening ad go support those guys they are fucking clutch so uh they've been awesome especially during this pandemic they sent out uh, a bunch of uh patches for me to send out to you guys um for prizes and such but we'll get there we're not we're not there yet so i wanted to read this review and then we'll move on with our lives and get to jay so um p-u-l-q-s-w-a-q-c-g writes great interviews five stars these interviews are fantastic. I stumbled on WSEG because of the Ed McGee interview, and it was so cool to hear. Interviewing is an art, and Mike knows how to go deep while keeping it casual and conversational. Keep it up, brother. So I, I this was on May 9th, May 9th, 2020, so this is a very recent one. So I really, truly do appreciate that. Polky, we'll just call you Polky or Polks, P-U-L-Q-S-W-A-C-G. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And again, you can leave a review anywhere you can leave reviews on <laughs> for podcasts. Uh, it occurred to me that Spotify offers no written reviews, but I think you can leave like a five star. Anyways, reviews help. It helps us be found in the algorithm. So please, it really uh, does help. Uh, anyways, go to reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and check out the latest single, Chloroform. This is a collaboration between Raina Mystique, The Concrete Project, and myself. Uh, the Concrete Project no longer exists, kind of, and uh, but but this song is, so this song's older, and uh, we love it, and uh, we hope you guys love it too, so go check out the latest single, Chloroform. You can also find Raina Mystique on Twitch. At least four days a week. Uh, she streams live actually today. Uh, whatever today is, May 20th, I think. Uh, yeah, but she streams Monday, uh, or excuse me, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the morning, like 8 a.m. for a couple hours. So if you're interested, please. But I joined her on Acoustic Soul Sundays on Twitch. It was starting at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, every Sunday. Uh, you can find us there at twitch.tv slash Raina Mystique and that's R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E okay um let's see we're almost done here we're almost to J I promise uh let's see what we got here we got uh go to and wow let's try that again go like subscribe review so we already talked about reviews that that helps a lot it helps it really does but please like us on Instagram on uh you can follow us on instagram you can follow us on facebook at we speak english good and you can also find us on twitch we're not streaming on twitch yet we'll talk about i'll talk about streaming live streaming on the other side of this i want to get to jay as soon as possible here so i'm kind of going through this kind of fast uh <laughs> so uh you can follow me on Twitch. You can like, subscribe. So subscribe to us on iTunes, on YouTube, wherever you uh, uh, ingest WSEG. Uh, YouTube has our music tutorials. Uh, and then you guys already heard review. I'm sorry. I'm speeding through this and I'm fucking it all up. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you guys to J as fast as possible, okay? Uh, you can skip forward if you want. <laughs> That's totally fine. I get it. I wouldn't want to hear me blathering on either. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Uh, I, I think that's everything. You know what? We're, we're just going to call it. That's it. We're, we're, just, we're done self-promoting. 
Who gives a shit? Let's just jump into it. Jay Shrub of the band Shrub, everybody. Dude, have you have you ever heard of Twitch? I'm sorry, like I've been just on this shit lately. Have you ever heard of Twitch before? Of course, absolutely, yes. I do have a Twitch account, but I've never actually like streamed there before. Oh, okay, sweet. Okay, yeah, dude, I am so, I am, my wife started it, and now she's, she's a, do you know anything about like the lingo or anything about it other than you have an account? I have an account. That's about <laughs> it. I don't know any of the lingo, but I'd love to learn it. Well, it, it's insane, dude. It's just like, well, the the first thing I, I love about Twitch is that it's this very intimate community of, 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 of and if you can build your fans on there, it's like a, a community of super fans who go out and they support your music, they show up, and, and it's like they are able to give money directly to the artist instead of, you know, these convoluted ways that we have now. But but it's a very interesting platform, and uh, man, I am just so into it, and that's kind of the reason why we're going live right now. I just like that aspect of live, and this show's kind of been that. I, I don't know, like, how, what have you heard about Twitch? I mean, I know I know a handful of people that are gamers, right? Mm -hmm. And they're on the Twitch platform streaming and and you know discussing playing games, talking about it, and making you know making a living off that. Yeah. Um. You know, in fact, my ex girlfriend's boyfriend—that's what he does for a living. <laughs> so you know, he's like, he hit me up once. He's like, hey, do you mind if I use your music like in my Twitch streams? I'm like, yeah, that's totally cool. Oh, she's like, God. she's like, what the hell? You guys are like, you guys are like having a bromance behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is not that 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 situation is always weird to me like when when exes are, are still friends with you know like you know, everybody's just friendly it's just so straight like i have some of that in the family and my family and it's just always just it's just always like this weird aspect to it that you just can't get past but some people just break through the barriers like jay here he's just like fuck it yeah stream my music baby Hell yeah, of course, please. Yeah. Let your fans know about Shrub, please. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. No, it, it's just such an interesting platform, and it, it's just been on my mind. So I'm sorry I just attacked you with that Twitch thing, uh, but it, it's just been a really interesting way of expression, and the and the and like I said, the community is amazing, and the art and the artists that are a part of it are amazing. It's, I you know I feel like I'm doing an ad for Twitch right now, and it's <laughs> that's silly, but. I just felt like I had to I had to explode that at you right at the top of this. Uh, so, have you thought about doing live stream? Have you have you jumped on the live stream? Uh, I guess bandwagon. I guess that's our only option yeah, at this no, point. It is a bandwagon, right? <laughs> of course. Um, so I have had one live stream, uh, you know, a few weeks back, where basically I just announced the new album that we were going to have coming out. Um, you know, I hadn't. I've been pretty quiet, honestly, for a long time. Just kind of. Working on the new, working on new music, and just kind of getting my life and my shit together, so to speak. Yeah. Um. And I went live just to have a little Q and A session. Totally did it, you know, unrehearsed or unplanned, and just said, "Hey, I'm just going to go live right now and see what happens." And I, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was. Um, it's so. cool. You see a lot of people for like come out of the woodwork that you haven't <laughs> talked to in so long. Yeah. And I'm like, oh hey, you know, oh look at you right there. Oh, how are you doing? But, um, you know, I really enjoyed that aspect. And then I previewed some of the newer tunes and, and got instant feedback. And I always love that, you know, yeah. like just hearing from the fans right away. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, I really enjoyed that. That that's what I've been loving about Twitch as well, and it seems or not Twitch, but streaming in general. I mean, because it, it's. Obviously, we're in this pandemic right now, so everyone's lives are, are kind of on a halt, and uh, we're, we're, musicians are, are forced to reinvent themselves once again and, and move to the internet, and uh, it's been a really interesting way of, uh, of expressing, and I, I, I don't know, like, at one part, it's, like, really awesome to be able to be a part of live music, and you get to see, like, these amazing artists do these, like, really intimate uh, um, broadcast from their living room, but it also brings out this like super profound sadness in me that where it's like I see it, like it just reminds me that there is this huge barrier between us, and uh, it's just been it's been really heavy, and and it happens quite frequently when I'm seeing, especially when I'm seeing uh, uh, artists that I love. There's these artists you might know since you're a Columbus guy, Acoustic Hookah. Are you familiar with those guys? Of course. Oh yes. Uh, we played Hookahville before. Absolutely. Oh, okay, yes. right on. Hell yeah! So yeah. you know those guys are are, are are just incredible. Those guys have been a part of my life for a long time, and and I just see Ed and Dave, uh, you know, doing their little live streams, and it just it just gives me like I don't know, man. It's this profound sad reality of a realization of our reality. I don't know. How have you been handling the the pandemic? How what, what have you been doing with your time? Well, you know, like a lot of other musicians, um, especially, uh, you know, given my circumstances, you know, I kind of stopped doing music, so to speak, for mm -hmm. three years where we, I wasn't performing. I was just working a day job kind of out of the scene for a Why? long time. Um, man, so many reasons. <laughs> I mean, at the at the end of the day, I'm really old, you know, <laughs> it, relatively speaking. Right. And I was surrounding myself with a bunch of really young hungry guys. Yeah. And I was this old guy who had been trying for so long to make it right. Like, I'm just going to make it 10 years in, I'm going strong. And yeah. then at some point it's like, all right, my, my back hurts, you know? And it's, <laughs> you just, you sort of give up, right? You yeah. reach that point where you get, you get broken yeah. and then, no, I needed that time to heal, you know? And that's the best way to say it, um, mentally, physically, all the above. And, um, you know, I, I do have an amazing day job, which, I, you know, a lot of people, I think in the music business, they suffer from, you know, they just kind of come home from tour or, um, you know, and during the day they're working a job that they hate. Yeah. Whereas like, I'm so blessed because I work at a job that I love and I'm a software developer by day and I'm super, you know, I have a super creative job and it feeds a lot of my creative needs. So, you know, I often get my creative fixes there as well. So, um, I just did that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the pandemic hits and everybody's laid off across the board, you yeah. know, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm one of those, those casualties, right? Really? I mean, cause yeah. I mean, developing, that's something you can do at home, isn't it? It is. But you know, we're in like the retail space, the company I worked for uh -huh. and, and gladly now that the stimulus, um, these loans have, have kind of gone through, I'm back working a, a day job again, which is oh, really nice. Great. I just started this week. Nice. But, um, you know, for like six, whatever, seven weeks, whatever it was, you know, I was laid off. Um, but, you know, for that six or seven weeks that I'm sitting around at home, I really focused on, you know, just just tweaking and, and, and um, improving my skills as a developer, trying to work on new things like 
getting into mobile app development, yeah. um, just stuff for fun, right? And um, <laughs> mobile app development as fun. That's fun. Yeah, that's what made, it's really fun, actually. <laughs> uh, I, 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 well, yeah, I mean, like if your brain is 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 programmed in that manner where that kind of thing is fun. Whereas when I look at something like that, my brain melts and my eyeballs pop out of my fucking head. It's just it's yeah, that's I don't what's know fun about it. Right. It's like <laughs> but but it is because it's like not everybody can do it and not everybody has the drive to want to do it either. And and it's yeah. it's actually a very it's very it's actually probably the smartest thing uh, people could do right now actually is to get into <laughs> software development or programming uh coding right like learn to code right like that whole yeah, thing absolutely uh, so and a lot of musicians actually are really good at being developers like i remember reading an article uh, about ibm mm -hmm. and in like the 80s and 90s they only hired software like computer science majors and they hired uh, musicians, like music majors. Oh, That's it nice. to be developers. So oh. a lot of people that have a musical mind, like you'd be surprised, it does translate over into being a fairly good developer. And in fact, our original drummer that we had in our band, you know, he was a jazz major at Ohio State, and he gets out of school and he's playing, you know, his his jazz gigs and his wedding gigs. And he's playing with Shrub, and then um, you know he kind of retired from that, wanted to start a family. He's like, what do I do? And I was like, I don't know. Good luck. You know, good luck with that jazz degree. And he, goes, he goes, yeah. So he moves to Seattle with like his wife and uh, he takes like a, I don't know, a six week or something boot camp in software development. Next thing you know, the dude's making really good money and he's happy as can be. And he doesn't even have an education in it. He just took a boot camp for like six, six plus weeks. And wow. his brain just worked that way, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and a lot of us, I think our brains do work that way. But, you know, I've been spending a lot of time doing that and to kind of get back to that. And, uh, and working on this album, right? Yeah. Just finishing it out. Um, I almost feel somewhat blessed that I had that little six-week hiatus because it really allowed me to follow through on some of my to-do list tasks. You know, like, okay, let's set a date. Let's release this shit. Yeah. Let's start promoting it. Let's, you know, start doing these live broadcasts where I play samples of the music. Let me hear what people think of it, you know, like things like that. So um, it really kicked me in the ass. And it's it's part of the reason why I'm here talking to you right now. I finally was was able to uh to make that move yeah man um i that that seems to be a common thread with everybody i've been talking to since the beginning of this pandemic is that well like at first a lot of people are like at first it's like uh we had to like get over this existential anxiety of you know this pandemic that you know it, it, there's so many contingencies in play right now that if anything sort of falls out of place, the whole thing can kind of come crumbling and everyone's feeling that. So uh, everyone, every, a lot of people that I talk to are just like, well, for the first week, I just sort of sat in my room and rocked back and forth and cried into my hands. But, you know, and then I decided to dust myself off and get to work. Um, yeah. But, you know, in some in some cases, in a lot of cases, people were just like, well, I just took this extra time just to start doing stuff. Because uh, I, the beautiful part about this pandemic, and I, I hate to say beautiful part about a pandemic, but it did give us time. Um, and I did the same exact thing you did. I was like, well, I, I'm not beholden. beholden? Sure. <laughs> sure. I'm not beholden <laughs> to uh we speak English good. Uh I'm yeah. not beholden to <laughs> I'm not beholden to any of these uh, uh uh these responsibilities that I had, you know, like I was booked out to the end of the year. You know, like right now is my busy time. Like I should be gigging tonight. I should be setting shit up right now. And yeah. you know, I'm not. But um when you 
relieve yourself of that kind of responsibility of, you know, I'm getting pulled in all these different directions. It left a lot of time for me to really just be like, what am I doing with, uh, and, and what I'm talking, well, I'm referencing the podcast because I just went full balls of the walls on the podcast. So it really forced me to distill down what the fuck I'm actually doing here. And so yeah. a lot of the themes that I'm getting from people is like solid reflection, you know, and, and uh, it seems like that's kind of what happened for you is it's like, well, I have a lot extra time on my hands. Why don't I do this to do th- list? Get this shit done. Uh, do you find yourself uh, skipping some things on the to do list as you get busy in life? You know, it's funny. If I pulled out my phone right now, I'm, I'm streaming here on on uh, Instagram. But if I pulled it out, I could like scroll through my to do list. I found like I keep one list, right? That's yeah. it. It's got everything list. in my life. It is, and that's it. And I look at it, and I, and this is not even a joke. This is a literal. I look at it probably. 20 times an hour. Okay. When I'm not busy doing something else, right? right? When I have free time, when I'm sitting around thinking about what am I doing right now, or I'm bored, or I'm just hanging out outside. And I look at that list and I think, which one can I cross off? And nothing has a priority. Everything's a priority. It's like whatever is convenient at that moment in time, do it. Yeah. And I find just like, you know, if you've ever heard of like the secret, I yes. don't know if you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I it's talk kind a of lot of shit thing. about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's kind of the same thing. It's right. just like if you just look at it, it just reminds you, reminds you, hey, right. why don't you do this shit? Right. And, uh, and, and I find myself, you know, super motivated by having that list. And, um, you know, like I probably added 15 things to it today. I'd say, you know, and I cross off maybe 20 to 30 things a day. Um, you know, so, you know, it's as powerful as you want to make it. And it's as simple as you want to make it. Right. It could be be just like, Hey, make sure you order something from the grocery store, you know, and make sure you get this, you need it. Or it could be, Hey, release the album, um, (laughs) and have the release date set to May 15th. So really large goals and small goals. Um, and, and I really just find it completely fascinating to, uh, to accomplish things, not fascinating, but more like, you know, I just feel like a, a lot of like accomplishment yeah. whenever I cross it's something. Very it's very rewarding to, to finish something. Thank you. It, it's I, very, I speak English good as well. <laughs> well, it, it is very rewarding. One thing I'm picking up from the um from the videographer community is is it's better that it's done than perfect. And um, you know, and, and I'm yeah, I know there's perfectionists out there like fuck that. But but here's the problem. You could sit there and perfect something for years and years, but the thing is, no one's ever going to hear it. It's never going to see the light of day unless you actually do it. And I think that's the problem I have with The Secret is that you have people who just like throw, you know, uh, they pace like a Ferrari and a mansion and, wow, a, yeah. you know, and, and a, a gold necklace onto a, onto a poster board, throw it up on their wall and just, and, and you know, all right. I'm ready for it. And, and there's not actually any real movement that comes with that because you can look at a list all day and you can look at a, a, a board, whatever that's called, the fucking board, the fortune yeah, board. Yeah, like a vision board. Vision board, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you can look at it and read those lists until you're blue in the face, but unless you actually take your ass up and, and get into the movement of doing those things nothing's ever going to get done and i think that's where where i have a problem with it a little bit but i i totally agree with that by the way i I, that's the funny thing is is i make fun of it and talk shit about it but i actually agree with it but it's also i'm motivated to do things so i'm also very motivated to follow through with stuff especially right now yeah well i don't believe like necessarily right that the universe is answering your calls okay (laughs) i don't (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't believe that there's some higher power necessarily answering the calls. Right. What I what I believe is is just that that theory that the more often you visualize and see something, mm-hmm. the more often you think about it, mm-hmm. the more often it gets those gears grinding, right? Yes. And and you start thinking, okay, how can I accomplish this? But it's funny, like if if I pulled out this list, the very first item on the list I I created in like two thousand. Wow, it would have been 2008 maybe or nine. And it said to play a show at Red Rocks, right? That's it. That is the number one goal. And I'm still looking at that list. Every time it <laughs> pops up first thing on the list there, I'm like, damn it, damn it. And I scroll yeah. to the bottom to cross off with the next thing. That's a, by the way, Fayuka <laughs> joined. Hi, Fayuka. Oh, I played a show nice. with you guys in San Diego at the House of Blues. You don't remember me, but that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but anyways... Uh, God damn it. One of my favorite shirts I wear is a Fayuka shirt, by the way. <laughs> wearing it for a long uh, those time. Those guys are shredders, man. That's my dude. Uh what what you <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. You, you said Red Rocks and and um you have a song on your new album called Left Behind, which I really find uh, fascinating. And I really like it. Uh and it resonates with me a lot. Uh it's so I, I'm just curious with a song like that, and when you're seeing your friend who you started with, which who connected us, Blaine Dillinger of Hyrie. Yep. When you see him accomplishing those goals and you I hear this song, I'm just wondering how is are those feelings in that song you're expressing? I'm sure there are real, but like are those feelings something that you had to get past at some point? Or is that something, you know, like I'm not saying you you hold a grudge against Blaine because he's playing yeah, Red Rocks, no, but when you see not. friends and contemporaries, you know, um, sort of accomplishing those goals. Did you? Was there a point in your in life or in you know in your time as a musician where that bothered you? Yeah. So, you know, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, it's part of that song left behind that's on on the new album. You know, part of the reason why I needed to write that, not why I wrote it, but why I needed to, was because I really just needed to get out some feelings that were inside. You know, I'm. I'm one of those kind of like, I'm a feelings guy. Like as, as annoying as that is to people, you know, I, I'm just one of those guys that sits there and stews about things. And, and you know, my heart is kind of like my brain, you know, and that song, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I started off and I, and I talk about Blaine. First sentence is about Blaine, you know, <laughs> see, it's cool that you're now with Hyrie. And it's cool that you flew to Maui, which is really about two different people. Uh-huh. It's about Blaine joining Hyrie, and it's about our first drummer we ever had, the very, very first one on our record. He moved to Hawaii as well, just for, you know, just to go there and, and live, not to be a musician. But, you know, really, it's a song about um, my individual relationships with a lot of people that I encountered throughout the band, um, people that came and went, and, and pretty much all of them came and went except for Blaine. And, you know, Blaine, who, you know, I love Blaine to death. He's one of the hardest working musicians I've ever been around, but he's also someone who has always supported me and always said, man, dude, keep going. Just keep going. Keep working. And, and no one's better to like follow than Blaine in the sense of if you want to watch someone bust their ass and try to make it in, in the music business, just pay attention to what Blaine has done you know, for the past 15 years of his life. Um, but that song, you know, there's a lot of pain involved when you spend so much time trying to build up a project and, you know, and money too, right? Let's be honest. You know, I, I spent half of my retirement, you know, I had this cush software development job, right? Well, yeah, uh, I should be able to retire at a decent age. No, because <laughs> I spent it all on the band. And, and, and when everyone kind of leaves and quits the band and moves on and starts their own projects or joins other projects, I'm just sitting there with the bill. And, and you know, sure, I have, you know, 
the albums or I have the, you know, the, uh, the, the memories of playing amazing shows. You know, you talked about playing like house of blues in San Diego, man, I got lucky enough to play house of blues in San Diego. As oh, well. right on. Hell yeah. And it was unbelievable. It's such a you great venue. I mean? Oh, so amazing. Yeah. But you know, I have those memories and, um, you know, I got a lot out of that, but at the same time, I just feel a lot of like, you know, it, it's just loss, you know, that song left behind. It's really about just everyone else leaving you behind and it. And it, you know, I'm, I'm, I've grown to accept and to be very proud of the people that I've worked with and their accomplishments. But, you know, I'd be lying to say at certain points, you're like, man, I wish, I wish you would have stuck it out with me. I wish we could be doing this together. Yeah. You know, and I certainly have a lot of friends who have really made it in this business. And I certainly have a lot of other friends who have backed out and quit right away, you know, and just said, I'm done and I'm going to go start a, a real life. But um, I've grown to really be proud and, and love the people that have moved on for the most part. Um, I mean, there's this one part in there where I talk about someone who stole from me. Like, you may not understand that, but the storyline behind the scenes is, you know, he stole a lot of money. He actually stole from my daughter's piggy oh, bank. Oh, God. Thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Oh, um, Jesus. And what a Drugs what a are a terrible thing. Drugs are a terrible thing. That's the, that's the short answer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of loss there that you get. Um, and it took me a long time to, to get over it, or I, I guess I'm always trying to get over it to some degree. Um, but at the same time, everybody's got their own lives. Everybody needs to do their own things so they can be fulfilled, so they can feel happy. And it took me a long time to realize that. And I'm at the point now where I'm just doing the things that make me happy again. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad that song connected with you, though, because it, did. it really did. That's the most personal song I've ever written in my life, I'd say. Well, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people can resonate. That song will resonate with a lot of people because, I mean, the, whether it's you get hooked on drugs or you get hooked into a bad relationship or you get hooked into a bad situation, whatever it is, you know, you look around, you look up, you look down and then you look up and 10 years have gone by or five years have gone by and you're still doing the same thing that's destructive or or maybe not destructive, just maybe something else that you want to choose. But you see people around you rising up and, you know, I think it's... It, <laughs> They see failure in themselves because they're not there, and 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 I, I'm I'm not putting myself above this at all because uh, I I lived in San Diego for 13 years and I moved back to Ohio about a couple years ago, so I didn't want to leave San Diego, and you know I had some other irons in the fire, and you know like I didn't want to see that go away because I had to leave town, and and so then when I left and you see all your friends on Facebook all like yeah no we're doing it we're you know. And, you get it, it does affect you and this was like 2 years ago but you know that was a dark time <laughs> moving to moving from california back to ohio um unwillingly is is a tough pill to swallow <laughs> i bet, I uh, bet. but but i'm glad i'm glad that i'm here and um um and and it's been awesome with uh, do you mind if we play that song if we play, yeah, go ahead. Let's listen to "Left Behind" by Shrubs. And uh, is it Shrub or Shrubs? I'm so sorry, I'm asking this question. It's singular. It's Shrub. Shrub. Okay, I'm sorry that. Uh, oh yeah, it's even written down right fucking here. Jeez, Louise. Let's li <laughs> let's listen to "Left Behind," and we'll come back with Jay and uh, continuing all this. You can lose your shit. You can lose your mind. The truth is, the hardest shit is when you get left behind. You can lose your ship, you can lose your mind The truth is, the hardest shit is when you get left behind
See, it's cool that you now wear high And it's cool that you flew to Maui And it's cool that the coolest true I ever knew writes JavaScript in Ruby But when you left, Jeff couldn't take a breath Thought that was it, thought that was death Thought that was it, heart through the chest Then Terrence called, said he's next But he cannot escape Your past another play Your past cannot be saved, my son From karma and a fate St. Louis on the road When KO chose to go And the other Jay did right before that Taurus Riley show And I cannot forget Cleveland was fucking lit But before we even packed the van Josh and Alex split See, you can lose your shit You can lose your mind But the truth is, the hardest shit Is when you get left behind You can lose your shit You can lose your mind is the hardest shit is when you get left behind See the army here was fake They took all they could take They stuffed the crowns with jewels around Locked me out my gate I wish that I could say It was any other way But the truth is it's always been Just me, myself and Jay Me, myself and Jay Me, myself and Jay Truth is it's always been Just me, myself and Jay Me and my selfish ways Me and those games I play games I play, maybe it's the games I play, but I don't give a hell now, I don't give a hell how, I take one down, pass it around, time to get the hell out, get the hell out. time just to fuck up, hanging out with some fucked ups, two men in a truck up, go back where I come from. we're back so yeah that 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 song i'm sure is gonna resonate with a ton of people it just it 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 makes a lot of sense and especially in a band situation i mean how many times have you seen i'm any musician knows like especially when you're in a band that you really love and you put all this energy into it and it just ends up dissolving i mean you put a lot of time and like you said money resources into it and and then just to watch it all it's very disconcerting and and i can see why some people uh you know stop doing it all together it's like this is bullshit it's just yeah 
And I think with that song too, like, you know, one thing that I hope people take away from it, especially the people that have been in the band, you know, who are like directly referenced in it, um, <laughs> you know, conceptually, yeah, it, it's, it's about my band and the people that have left and, and left me behind. Right. But it, it's really a generalization about being left behind yeah. you know, and, and everyone can relate to that. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a part, you know, in the song, um, that you just heard just now, um, there's this part that, uh, it basically, you know, in, in the end says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the selfish one, yeah. you know, and maybe it was my fault, yeah, you know, and I, and taking ownership too of my issues because I'm not blaming anyone. You know, if you really listen to what I'm saying, yeah, everybody's got their own reasons. Everybody does what they want to do. And yeah, I felt hurt or whatever in certain places. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, we all have our own reasons. We all have our own problems, including myself. No one's perfect. And, 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 you know, at the end of, you know, my selfishness at times, you know, my strategies, whatever it may have been, you know, turn people off, you know, and, and I'm okay with accepting that and realizing that. And once I did, I was actually able to, to get a different message from that song. It's not like boohoo, you know, it's me. I'm sad. It's more like, you know, it just really fucking sucks yeah. when you're not ready to give up, but everyone forces you to. Yeah. And, and you really got to find that inner strength and say, all right, I want to, I want to start back up again. I want to get the engine rolling. I want to gas it up and I want to get back out there. Yeah. And that's where I'm back to. That's what I got to. And, and it feels really good, right? Because I needed music as much, um, as I needed anything else in my life. And, and that's what I need, right? I don't necessarily need the touring, you know, having this whole pandemic going on and not touring. It's not affecting me in that way because I wasn't ready to go do that again. Mm. Um, I was ready to just make an album and I was ready to, uh, have people hear, you know, where and what I've become in the yeah. last three, four years or, or even more than that, really, because the last album that we had called High Ceratops, that didn't come out or that came out in like 2014. So, you know, it's been a long time yeah. since original music has come from the shrub camp. Well, and, and uh, let's talk about that. Y you know, like I listened to, um, I'm so sorry. It's Herb Herbosaurus. Is that how you say it? <laughs> the album's called High Ceratops. High Ceratops. Oh my God. I'm just, dude. But there's a song called Herbivore. Thank you. So you're getting those I'm two getting everything mixed up. up. You know what? I, that song, Coconut Tree off that album is sexy. Yeah. It's sexy. It's, I love it. I, I love that song because I, anything that, um, uh, you know, you obviously probably know Josh Heinrichs. Oh, of course. Or, yeah. So, yes. or at least know of him. I don't know. I know. Yeah, I know him. Um, but he has that kind of, uh, that blue eyed soul reggae thing going on too. And that, that really, I fucking love that shit. I'm just a fan of soul music in the general, like neo soul type stuff. So when I got a really funny story about that song. If you want to hear it, I would love to hear it. So we played in like New York city, um, on like 419 of some year. I don't know what year it was. It's probably like 13 because the album came out in 14. Um, and we were in New York city, played this amazing show and, and we had some, oh man, skeleton crew of a band at the time. I mean, I don't even know who was in it at that time. Um, but it was a bunch of like the original members and then like a random guitar player from Cleveland. Um, and we're, we're driving home and I had this song in my head, you know, um, you rock your hips like a boat in the ocean. You sway your hips like a tree in the breeze. And I'm just like, I'm playing around with this idea. And then we just start working it and working it. And I'm coming up with these lyrics. And I had no idea what kind of tree I was under. I was like, under the tree. I'm like, what the hell is that? And this one dude who was like with us for like two days, he's like, what I think it should be a coconut tree. 
And we were like, nice. Yes. Coconut tree. <laughs> yep, that's so, it. <laughs> so, so like, you know, I ran with it. Right. And we get home and we play a show in Columbus that night or the next day on 420. It was a 420 show. I was wasted out of my mind. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and we get done. We go back to the RV. The show was amazing. I want to say we played with like the Mighty Diamonds that night, if you know who they are. I don't. Uh, real classic reggae from Jamaica. Oh, nice. Really old school, good shit. Like, oh, right on. They're, they're legit, right? Okay. And harmonies are amazing, et cetera. But um, we get we had done playing that show, opening up for them, and I was like so stoked. I go back to the RV, and I go to jump up into the bunk on the RV, and I fall backwards <laughs> And I break my back. Talking about how bad my back is. I break my back and I'm laying on the ground going, oh, man, I can't move. So I'm just like crying. And the whole time I'm like, under the coconut. And I'm just singing this song while I'm like laying down. And that was the night we wrote that song. (laughs) We put that song together. And um, I only shattered four vertebrae to do it. Oh, I, I went to a chiropractor for like months because of that, that moment. But, but that song came out of that day. So when I look back, I'm always like, ah, oh, that was the day we wrote Coconut Tree. Um, and, uh, you know, that's also one of my, one of my all-time favorite shrub tunes as well. Oh, um, cool. Well, you know, it just that. makes me feel can, good. Can we play that song? Do you mind? Of course, yes. What, we're we're going to play Coconut Tree just so you guys can hear the, the sexiness. So let's play Coconut Tree and we'll be right back with Jay. Yeah. 
Pedro Pistola on here. What's up, Pedro? Oh, hey, Pedro. What's up? Someone else said <laughs> hi, too. Uh, uh, I haven't been paying attention. No, me neither. Oh, I saw uh, KZajak2792 says, it gets it does get hard to want to play again after losing it. And Pistol mm. Pete, what up? Oh, I think he's having a conversation. Oh, he said, sup, Jay, when we have a cake off. Oh, cake. Oh, so that's kind of funny, too, if you want to hear about what cake off means. <laughs> Let's hear about cake off. So that album that called High Ceratops or Herbasaur, as you call it, or whatever. <laughs> World's best <laughs> podcast host right here, folks. <laughs> hey, we speak English good, right? <laughs> um, so um, we, uh, when we released that album, we did it at a, uh, at a uh, show at Nelson Ledges Quarry Park. Do you know, that have place. you ever heard of that? Oh, my God. I, I fucking spun out there a few times, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, oh yeah, my boy Pedro, he plays triangle on that coconut tree song. So that's oh, that's funny. Shit. That's, What's up, I Pedro? Just realized triangle. That he just said that. He's triangle man, Pistol <laughs> Pete. Um, but um, we were there, you know, getting ready to release the album, and we have this this uh, this girl that we that we're really good friends with. Um, her name's Corey Crocker, as in like Betty Crocker, but Corey Crocker. Nice. And she makes edibles, right? Mm-hmm. And so she bakes this high ceratops cake, so which is like a triceratops. <laughs> cake and it's the strongest cake by the way that i've ever eaten in my life and you know she presents it to us when we show up for the show and we're announcing the album and everybody decides we're gonna have cake day and we eat this cake and let me tell you we all ate way too much every single person that ate it ate way too much and some people did that on purpose and (laughs) it was one of you know the most fun weekends of our lives first of all we have you know, up to that date, definitely the best album that we've ever put out. Um, definitely had amazing vibes at Nelson Ledges. That's like our home base. Yeah. You know, the people there are amazing. Um, you know, there are people like this dude, Scuba Steve, that Pedro's talking about. I mean, he's just eating icing and icing and icing <laughs> as if, as if, as if like it's not, not everyone's like melted into the wall yeah. <laughs> and we're all like frozen and people are thinking they're dying. And Scuba Steve, who's sitting there eating like peyote candy and all this other, he's just insane. He's eating fucking icing and after icing and cake after cake. And he's just out of his mind. And, and, you know, we just walked around Nelson ledges, the highest we've ever been, which is so fitting because the song herbivore on that album, which is about Corey Crocker baking these goods for us. It's about getting higher than you've ever been. So, um, 
What a fun time. That's what they're talking about in the comments right now. Well, thank you for that lovely uh, gem that we got uncovered there. Um, (laughs) You know, so we're kind of talking about, you know, it's been about six years since you released any original music. And, um, you know, like one thing I noticed was that there's like a a huge, not huge. I mean, you can hear your essence, but there's a big change between herbosaurus and and <laughs> and the new album which i'm so sorry dude that i can't remember anything i'm a burnout so my bad but the new album the name of the new album is back to earth thank you so there's a <laughs> sorry i'm just sitting here being should we get higher right now should we no should we my god like as soon as like like as soon as i'm done i'm gonna go smoke a bowl and feel embarrassed about this whole situation but until that point we're we're gonna keep going but what i noticed is that there's a huge jump i mean you know the herbosaurus is is uh can we get the right name i'm sorry what's the right name high ceratops high High ceratops uh you know it has a full band it has almost a a organic sound where and then you jump to jesus christ the new album and Back back to earth and, you know, we have some EDM cuts. I mean, some EDM-ish cuts. I'm not saying to EDM, folks. Don't get, sure. don't get your panties in a twist here. But, you know, like, you have some very, uh, uh, you know, a lot of electronic music influence. And there's – it just sort of uh, – you know, you expanded a lot. Uh, can you talk on that, like, the, the choice yeah. for that? So, you know, with Hyceratops, you know, we were rocking a full band, right? You know, when that album was was recorded – we went through two different versions of shrub. There was like what I call like the original band. Um, we wrote like half those songs and then the new band, which ended up being a hodgepodge of different people coming kind of in and out, maybe write a song here and there. Um, but you know, you got a full band, right. And you have different talented people in the band. Um, you know, people like, uh, Kevin Oliver, who was the guitar player for one of the guitar players for parliament funkadelic, you know, he's playing guitar, on that um, High Ceratops album for most of the tunes. Um, but Blaine, you know, Blaine Dillinger as well from Hyrie, you know, he's playing on a few of those tunes as well, maybe three or four. Um, then you got different people like Benny Cole singing. You got different people like uh, a guy named Nate Brooks, who's doing a lot of the harmonies, playing keyboard. So you, I had a full band to work with, right? So I can write songs and, and work with people and, and create that album, uh, a more organic sound. Um, but, you know, when you lose everyone in the band and everyone goes on to, to different pastures. You have to re, you know, reinvent yourself and, and improvise in that situation. And thankfully for me, I had Blaine Dillinger who came to me and said, dude, do not give up. Do not quit, you know, shrub. Let me hear what you've been writing. Cause he knew I was still writing music, you know, and he's like, let me hear what you've been writing. And for me, you know, when I write it's lyrics and melodies, you know, I don't play an instrument. So it's, it's a challenging thing for me to write a song, right? Because yeah, I don't play an instrument. So oftentimes, you know, I'll find other songs that I enjoy and I'll just kind of sing over top them, write over top them, or I'll just write over top nothing. Literally, I'm just singing, writing lyrics and I, and I have to explain, okay, this is what I want this guitar to sound like. It's, it's very much like Michael Jackson made music. If you ever read about the way Michael Jackson did. Oh, yes. Okay, this is the harmonies and the vocal harmonies on the choruses of uh, Beat It. Um, I'll do the verses, then, then I'll do the choruses. 
Michael Jackson by far is my favorite musician of all time, by the way. So Incredible. Just, just FYI. Um, but, um, you know, and I have a really amazing story about Michael Jackson. If you want to get into that later, I'm down like an amazing story. I'm, I'm in, I'm in Jay. You got me, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I'm often doing that and Blaine's like, let me hear this shit. So, you know, I started sending him some of the ideas I had and, you know, he started hitting me back, dude. Yes. Let's do this song. Let's do this song. Let's do this song. Hey, I got this beat that I've been working on and, and he's producing as, as well right now, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And he's like, well, you, you try writing over top this. We have an, a song on the new album called Shrub Love, for example. And Shrub Love, um, he sent that beat to me. And he's like, can you write over this? And I just stewed on it for months and months and months and just never really, you know, got not excited is not the right word, but I never found that inspiration to that, that I felt was like the right song to write over top of it. Mm -hmm. And then when it clicks, finally, yes, OK, that's the song. Um, but you know, he's sitting there on tour, um, and he's working out of a computer yeah. and, and he's working in logic and he's programming beats and he's doing a lot of MIDI stuff, but he's also, you know, he's got Matt Benoit, who is the drummer for Hyrie, who's involved in this project as well. So Matt is pretty much doing, um, all the drum tracking on the entire album. Wow. Um, so from Hyrie and Blaine's doing like the guitar, some of the key tracking he's doing, um, you know, some horns, things like that, or then, you know, just to do like the demos. Right. And then once we got those good, we were like, all right, so let's bring in some real instruments too, for like these specific parts. Mm -hmm. So like on shrub love, we have the whole horn section from Hyrie doing that That's awesome. uh, for the bass guitar. We have the bass player from Hyrie, but the drums are all programmed. And so that's why you're hearing little elements, like you said, of more electronic music. Um, and then there's some songs too, that like, are you know, 80 to 90% electronic music, if not all, like Bright Side of the Moon. Um, you know, we got Mike DeGuzman from Pacifier plays oh, nice. keys on that. Hell yeah. But other than that, it's all produced, you know, with electronic music. So um, it, it, it's just kind of like I had to morph into something that was possible. And, you know, not having a full band to work with at my disposal puts me in a situation where I had to improvise. And, um, and in the end, it, it does change the sound of shrub. It's certainly not, um, I am a huge Pink Floyd fan, by the way, uh, <laughs> whoever asked that, um, it does change the sound of shrub. Um, but you know, if you listen to every album we've had, like our first album is called Senorita. Um, and then you listen to high Ceratops, there's a huge shift there, mm -hmm. you know, and, and now it's, it's shifted even again. Yeah. And I still think it fits the shrub sound. Everything about it still feels you know, relative and still authentic, which is always the most important thing to me. What is what, what is, I'm, yeah, yeah. What, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what, yeah, no. what, what does authentic mean to you? So authentic to me is this, it's, it's more, you know, again, I'm a lyricist. So I think, uh, I think from these terms, um, not so much the music side of things, I think the music conveys a feeling mm. and I think it, it, it accompanies the lyrics and the melody and the vocals. Like it all kind of works together. Everything works together, but the authenticity comes from, 
what I'm speaking about, what the message of the song is, what I'm the elicit, the feeling I'm trying to elicit from the audience. Right. Um, you know, like left behind, you talked about that song earlier, the feeling I want people to, to get when they listen to that song is I want them to remember people they've lost yeah. and friendships that they've lost and, and to get over that and to move on, you know, at the end of that song, I'm like, I'm packing up and getting the fuck out. And it's like, you got to move on. You got to move forward. A song like coconut tree. When I'm writing that, I'm thinking about being on the beach with the, you know, my, my girlfriend or, or my wife, whoever it may be. Right. And, and just enjoying that moment of not worrying about anything and just enjoying the sound of the ocean, um, the romantic, romantic kind of setting or whatever. That feeling is what's most important, but they're all re real feelings. You know, you're not going to hear about, you know, cause there's a little bit of hip hop and rap to, to my style. You're not going to hear about guns. You're not going to hear about money. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hear about all that shit. What you're going to hear about is like real things that have happened to me in my life. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same way I dream. If you ask me what my dreams are about every night, I'll be like, well, I woke up, I ate breakfast. Um, I sat on the couch, smoked a bowl. Um, and then I watched a little bit of TV. Um, and then I went to work and then I went and got some lunch. It's like literal. It's like, it's exactly what my <laughs> it's like real life. draw. <laughs> like that, that's what my dreams are like. So I think my music's kind of similar, right? I write about things that are just really real to me. Um, there can be feelings or they can be literal events, you know, like bright side of the moon, for example, um, which is one of my favorite songs on the new album for me. Well, it, let's play that. Let's play that. Yeah. And then let's talk about it. So yeah, we're sure. going to play bright side of the moon and be right back. I'll be living on the bright side of the moon so I can see you, so I can see you. I'm basking in the sunlight. On the moon So I can see you So I can see you You I'm on a spaceship So fucking high I wanna say this Always on my mind Always wanna say shit I can see you now With those tears in your eyes I know I've disappeared But I'm always by your side I'm so damn proud Forever stole my heart from the start, no doubt Always made me smile, always shining bright Traveling at the speed of light Outside your atmosphere, you can find me here You ever need to talk, I can be your ear I can see you growing older and the world is getting colder If you ever need a shoulder, I can be right there I'm on a spaceship, so fucking high, I wanna say this Always on my mind, always wanna say shit I can see you now with those tears in your eyes I know I've disappeared, but I'm always by your side Grab my coat, 
Strap me to the wing, watch me go Really gaining speed, watch me go I'm a laser beam I'm on a spaceship, so fucking high, I wanna say this Always on my mind, always wanna say shit I can see you now with those tears in your eyes I know I've disappeared, but I'm always by your side And we're back. Please keep going, Jay Shrub. Yeah, so that song you heard, you know, Brightside, you know, again, back, you know, you're hearing a lot of electronic sound on that. And, um, you know, when I was motivated to write that song, the, the thoughts that are going through my mind is, you know, I am getting older. I'm 43 in one month from, you know, two days ago, basically, I'm going to be 43 in June. And, um, you know, I got a daughter, she's 12. And, you know, and she's growing up quick. Right. And she's going to be gone before I know it. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to be gone literally before I know it, you know, I'm not the healthiest dude in the world. I don't live a a very healthy lifestyle. And, um, you know, it's about always being there for her, even though I'm not physically present. Mm. And so again, you're hearing this concept of like, I'm this astronaut or I'm living on the moon or whatever, you know, you get from what I'm saying, or I'm in a spaceship flying or whatever you know, you hear these, these sounds or these thoughts, I should say, going on in, in this song. But at the end of the day, it's just about not being physically present with my daughter, but always being there with her the whole journey she's on in this life. Yeah. You know, whether it's in her mind, whether it's in her memories, whether it's in pictures she sees, whether it's in her thoughts, it's just about being there for her and supporting her throughout her life, even though I may not physically be there. So again, back to this real, raw, authentic thing in my life. And I worry about that. I worry about not being there for her, you know? So this is my song for her. And everyone can relate to that. You know, a lot of my friends, I mean, they've lost their parents, one, if not two parents. Uh, a lot of my friends have lost friends. You know, um, I've lost friends now. You know, I'm at that age where people are going. And, you know, not to be depressed, depressing about it, but um, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, I think and hope that everyone can relate to, um, you know, just the memories of people that you love. And that's what that song is really about looking down at her and watching her and being proud of her as she goes through her life, even though I may not physically be there. Yeah. You talk about, I know there's some lyrics in one of the songs and uh, my memory sucks as you well know now, as well as everyone else, <laughs> but you're talking, uh, you're talking about screaming and yelling and, and anger, ah, you know, um, mm. is anger an issue for you or is it something <laughs> that you're working on? I, 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 Hey man, l- let me just tell you about myself just yeah. real quick. I quit drinking at 30 and realized that I was an angry piece of shit who had to like, and for the last seven years have been really working hard on not being an angry piece of shit. So just so you know a little bit more about me, I'm not judging in any way. I, I'm just generally curious because that's what I heard. You know, I heard that that resonates with me. So I'm just curious. Is, is, yeah. is that something that you deal with or, on some kind of level or i mean Abs- or yeah, mental no, health in general i'm not asking you to give me your diagnosis of whatever no, i'm but, an open book i'm but, an open book no worries i am just curious on you know where you sit with all this and i definitely think i struggle with um you know my temper anger issues of course um you know i think and i try to use this as an excuse all the time but growing up in a family where 
um, you know, I have an alpha male father, right? I mean, military type dad, um, but he's great. I fucking love the dude. He's amazing. My mom, more submissive, real sweet, um, but also really smart and isn't going to put up with my shit either. He's going to call me out if I'm, if I'm fucking up. And then I got two older brothers, right? So I'm the youngest, the baby brother. And your whole life, you know, you're competing with these guys, trying to be better than them. And they're four and five years older than me. So I'm never going to be better than them, at least physically or in sports or whatever, or just wrestling in the backyard, whatever it may have been, you know, they were kicking my ass all the time. But there's also like an intellectual competition that goes on in a family like that. You know, I I come from a really smart family and everyone wants to be smarter. That's smarter than each other. And it's a very competitive family. So, (laughs) So at the end of the day, we tend to like get in very heated arguments about, oh, fuck you. I'm better than you. <laughs> fuck you. Right. That's just how we kind of talk to each other. Yeah. And, and we exist in that world and it doesn't mean anything to us. But when you take that sort of personality and you get into other circles with other people, um, they don't know how to handle that. Maybe they didn't grow up in a situation like that. And I think the perception with me often is, you know, in, in, in our personal circles is, man, this dude's a hothead. You know, he's pretty pissy. but at the end of the day, you know, super loyal, you know, I, I would hope people think, and, and I got a lot of love in my heart. We preach something called shrub love in, in this band and it means something. It's, it's like, Hey, you can get pretty heated. You can talk a lot of shit about people, but the more you talk shit about the people around you, it actually means you love them. It's like my brothers, the more shit I talked about my brothers, the more I felt connected to them. Like that's how we bonded. Right. So I think there's an element of that, but in the song that you're referencing specifically, it's called, um, mama always told me. Mm. Um, where I talk about cursing and screaming, that song's more about a relationship, um, a past relationship I had with a girl, um, the same girl whose boyfriend asked me if he could play my, my music on his Twitch stream. Um, (laughs) that song was, was more about just being in a very, um, toxic relationship, honestly, Mm -hmm. and about how oftentimes when you're in that sort of relationship, you know, um, I think both parties, if they're unhappy, you tend to lie, tend to scream, tend to fight. Um, and until they, till you both grow up and you realize that maybe this is not a good relationship to have, you're going to have those heated arguments. So that song specifically is, you know, just about my whole life, just being in a situation where, you know, I've told a lot of fucking lies in my life, you know, and, and I'm not proud of that at all, but you know, it's a defense mechanism sometimes where, you know, I, I exaggerate shit all the time. It's part of like my personality. I'm very dramatic. But, you know, I've also told a lot of lies in the past and there came this, this time and this point in my life where I'm like, I don't want to fucking lie anymore. It's not worth it. You know, and this, in that song, it's specifically about this relationship I have with this girl where, you know, we're both lying about shit, but it really is in, in terms of my entire life. You know, I used to think like, yeah, you can tell little white lies here and there to, 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 to maybe like help you get through a situation. But the more I did that, the more I dug myself into a deeper hole. and the day that I realized don't fucking lie anymore. You know, like my boy Pedro here, if his parents knew half the shit he did, he would lose his mind or they would lose their mind, but he's too scared to tell him. Damn, and I'm Pedro. like, Dude, just be yourself, bro. And, <laughs> just be yourself, Pedro. We love you, brother. <laughs> and I used to do that too. Like I used to tell my parents, like in, in high school, I got, um, I got two uh, speeding tickets in one day, right. As a 16 year old, I think, or something. <laughs> And I, I lost my license, right? So I had a job. My, I came home that night. I was like, dad, I got a speeding ticket. He's like, this is my dad, the military man, right? He's like, you motherfucker, you do not come home unless you have a fucking job. And I'm like, oh shit. So he's like, go. I had to leave the house and go get a job, right? Like so, immediately. 
I couldn't come home. Right. And, and I, in the end, I I appreciate what he did. Yeah. Um, but so I go to Burger King, I went all day looking around, couldn't find a job anywhere. Finally go to Burger King and I'm like, I need a job. And the guy's like, all right. So I worked there for like a week. Right. And it was miserable. I I didn't like it. They wouldn't let me work the drive through because they said I was dicking off too much. Like, (laughs) no, you're, you're making fun of people. You're like (laughs) on jokes. You can't do that. You just got to take their order. I was like, no, I just want to, I just want to have fun, you know? And they're like, no. And I'm like, all right, so I quit, right? <laughs> but I still took my car and I parked it at Burger King every day <laughs> so that my parents thought I had a job. Again, this is like a little white lie, right? Because I'm trying to take advantage of my situation. I knew I, I couldn't come home if I didn't have a job. So my parents would drive by Burger King every day and be like, well, that's great. He's at Burger King working. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I worked off full day. I had the whole outfit on. I'd leave it home in the morning. And then my buddy, since I didn't have a license anymore, he'd come pick my car up. I'd be in it. He'd drive and we'd go hang out and smoke weed all the time. <laughs> but there came a time where I told my parents about this. I said, hey, you guys, remember when I worked at Burger King, like, you know, when I was in senior in high school? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't work at Burger King. <laughs> I'm like, I just hung out and fucking smoked weed and acted like I was at Burger King. And they were like, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> But it felt so good to tell them the truth. Yeah, it felt so good because now it's funny. Yeah. Now I go home and they bring it up. They're like, "Oh yeah, working at Burger King, huh, Jay?" <laughs> you know, like, "Yeah, well, yeah." You know, it's a, it's a funny thing in our family to talk about these things. And and the more honest I got with them, you know, like my parents were so against smoking weed, right? Mm. I mean, it was like, "No, you do not do that." And the more honest I got when I joined the band about how guys, this is just fucking weed. Get over it. Yeah. And the more I said that, the more they got over it. And now it's it's like, "Oh yeah, Jay smokes weed, no big deal." But I think you tend to like lie and you tend to like shelter people from the truth because you're scared you're going to hurt them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're really just hurting yourself. Right. And, and that is the message of that song. Mama always told me it's, it's her telling me, you know, Jay, you don't have to lie. You can just tell us the truth. Mm. But I never believed her. I never believed that that would be the best route to take. And then once I started just being honest with them, our relationship was so much better. Yeah. Um, so, so that's really the theme of the, at least the chorus of that song. But the song's really about a, a really toxic relationship where we're just lying to each other and it's not it's not healthy. <laughs> Those relationships are fun at first, I, I find, but then they quickly get... <laughs> it gets well, yeah. bothersome. Well, it's exciting right at first because you think like... You, you know, one is you don't know their line at first. You're like, oh yeah, this 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 seems pretty exciting, but yeah. I don't know. It just wears on you. You know, the oh, more yes. the more you put yourself into a hole, it's just like it's just not worth it. Yeah, so. man, it is not. Yeah, you know, man, I, I agree with you. I and in fact, I relish those moments now where I get to tell my mom these 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 truths. You know, like I relish the. I it actually feeds me now, and it, it's not because I'm trying to hide anything from her. It's just that I don't remember all the stupid shit that I lied to her about. So it's just like, you know, we'll just be casually talking. And I'll be like, oh yeah, I used to feed your sister marijuana gummy bears. <laughs> You, so I bet you didn't aunt. know that. This is your aunt you're talking about. Yes, I am. I, yeah, she, <laughs> you know, it, it, I used to get high with your other one. <laughs> nice. And it's just like these, uh, uh, you know, I, I find those, those. I don't know, man. I, it's really sad when people can't be honest with, with the people that they're closest with. And it's I agree. just It's just not, it, it, ugh, it's, what, there's nothing in it for anybody. Um, so tell, tell me, you, you know, you were mentioning drugs with friends and drugs. Have you ever had any experience with drugs or are you, uh, or are you, what, what's your experience with drugs? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we'll start from the top. Sure. I mean, honestly, alcohol 
not at all. I don't even drink at all. Oh. Um, and, and haven't since, I mean, like in eighth grade, I tried drinking once good story about my dad catching <laughs> us drinking. This is amazing. Okay. So in eighth grade, my buddy, Brian's a little older than us and he comes over and he's like, I'm going to drink this uh, crown Royal. I think it was. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I think it's, that's what it was. And he's like, I'm gonna drink some crown Royal. And my buddies are like, yeah. And I had like a pool at my house. So like everybody in the summertime would come to my house. My parents were at work and they come over and they started drinking. So this is the first time everybody's like really getting drunk and everybody's wasted. My parents come home from work at like five 36 PM, but I haven't drank at all. Right. I'm like, I'm not drinking. <laughs> and Brian's passed out on my couch and you know, I'm what I'm 16 years old. Brian's or I'm 15, maybe. Brian's like 16 years old. And my dad's like, Brian, get up. And Brian's like, you know, wasted. And he smells reeks of alcohol and he's got black vomit all over him. Right. It was disgusting. And my dad's like, Jay, this motherfucker is drunk. I'm like, oh, I know dad. Fuck. He's like, I'm taking him home right now. So he takes Brian home. Right. We come back to my house. He sits me down. Now I have never had alcohol in my life other than like sips of beer at this point. Right. It's eighth grade. He sits me down, pulls out a bottle of 151. And we have this little table and he sits directly across from me. He's got shot glasses. Again, I have no idea what this shit is at the time. He pours a shot of 151 and he slides it over to me. He's like, here, he slides it over. And I'm like, what am I doing with this? He's like, take it. I'm like, what is it? I have no, I don't even know what 151 (laughs) means, right? I have no clue. So I take it and I just start drinking it, right? A little sip. I throw up instantly, instantly start throwing up. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I really think that that moment made me never want to drink ever again in my life. It Beautiful. like, he cured me. Cured he's, am- me. he's brilliant. He's brilliant. So then fast forward, I go to Myrtle beach one year with my family and I borrow his brand new Jeep grand Cherokee when I'm 16. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to drive around and try to pick up chicks. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, so, um, I'm going to be cool though. So I'm going to buy a pack of cigarettes too. Oh. And I'm going to smoke cigarettes. So the girls think I'm cool. Right. This is, <laughs> This is stupid 16-year-old logic, right? Because I got this nice Jeep Grand Cherokee. I, you know, I think at the time it's so cool. So I'm driving up and down the strip in Myrtle Beach on vacation by myself late night. And I start smoking cigarettes. And next day, you know, and I, of course, meet no chicks. No chicks want to hang out with a 16-year-old smoking cigarettes in a dad's Jeep from Ohio. You know, they all know I'm a tourist like a fucking idiot. So I go back to the, you know, the condo or whatever, and I park it. And I hide the cigarettes underneath his seat, right? And he's not going to find these, I think. Next day, he goes to get in his truck. Of course, it smells like fucking cigarettes. Like, I'm an idiot. He comes running up. Jay, you fucking smoking cigarettes in my Jeep. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> He's like, I found the pack of cigarettes under the seat. I'm like, ah, fuck. So he takes the pack of cigarettes, and he pulls out all the cigarettes, and he says, eat these. Oh, my God. I'm like, what? <laughs> eat these motherfuckers. I'm like, dad, I don't eat. No, I can't eat cigarettes. I mean, filter and all, right? Unlit cigarettes. <laughs> oh, but- I was like, I'm gonna do one at a time, and he's like, fine. So I take. <laughs> I'm do one at a time. <laughs> so I take one. I'm like, God damn it! So I take it and I just start chewing it. I'm telling you, as soon as I tasted the filter, I don't know what it is, vomit instantly, oh! just like the 151. I start throwing up. I've never really smoked a cigarette since. So <laughs> you know, when it comes to alcohol and cigarettes, there's the reason why I don't do it. Um, dad cured you. Dad cured me. He's brilliant. And yeah, I will do the I'm same thing with my daughter. That. I'm, I'm going to hope, hopefully that'll work for my son. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter will never drink or smoke watch. Cause I'm gonna do the same thing. Get the damn right. <laughs> but when it comes to weed, of course, 10th grade, I mean, 
you know, <laughs> we start like our friends start smoking. I'm like, man, I don't know about these dudes, man. They're smoking weed. You guys aren't cool. By 11th grade, we're getting high every day. Right. Um, we start tripping on acid, you know, in 11th grade, 12th grade. Sorry, <laughs> mom and dad. Again, back to me being honest. We start tripping on acid all the time. Um, college. I went to college at Bowling Green State University. Oh, okay, um, cool. Right at. down the street from me. Yeah. Where are you at? I'm actually? in Toledo. Okay, nice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we went to BG and, you know, freshman year, junior year, so whatever, every year, um, you know, ate a lot of acid early on, <laughs> ate a lot of mushrooms early on, um, had a lot of fun, but also had a lot of nights where I freaked the fuck out too, <laughs> uh, especially on acid. But yes. um, that's the extent, honestly, no other drugs besides that. Um, you know, a lot of people around me have done a lot of coke. I'm like, nah, I'm not, not going to get into that. You know, a lot of heroin abuse in the, in the music world. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to get involved in that. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, I do have addictive, an addictive personality, but I find weed to be the thing that you can be addicted to. And, you know, it, if anything, it just makes my life a little more exciting and a little more creative. Whereas, you know, I watch some of the other folks get addicted to, uh, um, oh, I think we're out of the, yeah, I'm going to start it up again. If you don't mind. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. I didn't realize that. That's how they do it. That's so awful. That, I know. I, I am not a fan of this at all. <laughs> that no, I'm I'm thinking about moving the the whole show to Twitch. Um, do you mind doing it again? Pl- uh, yeah. Plug it in. Yep. You're up now. Yeah, we're up. <clears throat> yeah, that is bogus that they do that. It's so stupid. That I I want to do this on Twitch because it's fun getting questions from the audience, and we've been kind of interacting with people, so. Hello. Uh, so if you're joining us live again, we got cut off because Instagram has this ridiculous time limit on how long you can go. So we're going to be piping Jay back into the broadcast here as soon as he can figure that out. Um, All right. And then I'm we'll joined. get back to it. I'm sorry that we had to interrupt because I remember where we're at. No heroin. <laughs> no heroin. Yes. I sent the request, by the okay, way. Okay. I'm going. And we're going live. And here we go. Ah, uh, yes, I see it. It's Spinning, happening. It's Things are happening. Waiting, connecting. And there nah, he is. Camera. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, everybody, who got lost on that. Instagram is terrible because they have a time limit. I'm never doing this on Instagram again. Fuck you, Instagram. <laughs> Fuck you, Instagram. <laughs> But anyway, so so Jay was just telling us how much he doesn't like to to do heroin or cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just never done it, you know, and never will. Yeah, um, that's great. You know, pills never got into that. I mean, wow. I've taken like Percocets for like uh, like if I'm going to get tattooed and I'm like doing my ass crack or something, which is very painful to get tattooed. What do you have on your uh, ass crack, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I have twelve hornets on my back, and they're all attacking a Japanese sea monster. Um, so I have. Some Japanese style wave going into my ass crack and a couple hornets flying down there as well. <laughs> oh my god, ass guys. So you're not so you're not a drug guy. That's great, man. No, I mean, no, I, I love that. Not. I I was not. I was very much a drug guy. So I always like hearing people when they're like, Yeah, I just never got into that. Cause it's so fucking played out. The the musician drug guy. Oh, it's so get bad. a fucking life, loser. I'm just kidding. I know I mean, that. Yeah, I guess hard. if you just see it, you know, if you see it to the point, like I talked about that guy in our band, Nate, yeah. you know, when you see someone who's really struggling mm. and he's hurting and affecting the people that are closest to him, um, 
you know, not only his family, but his bandmates and his friends. And it's just like, you feel bad for him. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can't help him. You tried. And right. it, it, at some point he's got to help himself. Yeah. And, and I just never wanted to become that guy that needed that help. And thankfully I never got into it. Um, yeah. no, you know, I've had a handful of friends that, um, you know, that have kind of went the wrong route, but thankfully everyone, whether you, you know, just alcohol abuse or, or anything, you know, everything's bad really when you, when you take it to another level, right. when you, when it like rules your life. Um, but you know, I'm glad to see people come back from that too, you know, and I'm proud of the people that can get through it. And I don't want to sound like a, a callous asshole because I struggled with drug addiction and, and, and heroin and, and alcohol and blah, whatever the fuck else got into my system. But it uh, after a certain while, you got to realize it on your own or else you're just going to continue doing the same thing over and over again. So I didn't mean to sound insensitive to anybody struggling with alcohol or, or drug addiction. I've been there. If you want to, if you want to reach out to me, you can. We speak, uh, G, uh, we speak English good at gmail.com. I talk to people if if they write me about these kind of things. I, I'm I I'm totally there for you. So, uh, okay. I think someone asked for the uh, the MJ story uh, Ooh, in the feed. Yes. So I, I gotta I gotta I gotta get to the MJ story. So please, uh, uh, MJ story. Oh man. So this could be the coolest story I've you know, that I have in my repertoire. Right. Okay. And, and I don't tell it very often because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, oh, man, it just, I save it. Right. Because like, it's so amazing. So here we go. Um, I was in Las Vegas uh, and oh, I got to preface this. So growing up MJ, Michael Jackson, he, you know, for us older folks, <laughs> he is like, you know, the legend of all legends, you know, um, it's no different than this Michael Jordan thing people are watching right now on ESPN. Mm. They're learning that Michael Jordan was the fucking man before LeBron. Right. You know, yeah. before Kobe. It was MJ, you know. Right. Same thing. In music, Michael Jackson was the man of the 80s. I mean, he ruled the 80s. And um, I was super into him. You know, like for Halloween and stuff, I'd dress up as Michael Jackson. I would do his songs at karaoke competitions and dance like him <laughs> because I just love the fucking dude. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Musically, and the music he wrote, his performance, something you, that you'll see in a shrub show is I'm so into the performance side of things. That is everything to me. Um, and, you know, I, I really think I got that from watching MJ, like just realizing that the crowd loves a good performer. And um, so, you know, I was so in love with MJ, you know, so to speak. Um, and figuratively speaking. And um, so I'm in Las Vegas in 2002 and I'm playing blackjack at the New York, New York hotel and casino. And this is right after nine 11. And, you know, people are kind of on edge a little bit when they hear people screaming and crowds, you know, cause of nine 11. And all of a sudden you hear this commotion going on in the casino and it, it sounds like something bad's happening. Oh. And so about five minutes prior, my wife at the time I'm divorced now, but I was married at the time. My wife at the time is like, I'm going to go to this little magic store across the way and, and I'm going to go hang out there. I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to keep playing blackjack. At this time, I'm up like thousands of dollars. I mean, I'm killing it. I'm not leaving this table. Yeah. I'm the happiest I could be. She's like, I'm bored as shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> and, and if you would have came to me at that moment and you would have said something like, you know, Jay, you could have a million dollars right now. And, I, and I, I, I really truly believe that this is a true statement. Okay? I do believe this is true. I mean, who knows until you put in the situation, but if you would have said, I'll give you a million dollars right now to just leave this casino right now and go home or what's about to happen to you is about to happen to you. Yeah. You know, and then told me what was going to happen. I would have said, I'm doing the MJ story. I'm not taking that million dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's how much I love Michael Jackson. Okay? So 
Just Hello. to put it in perspective. Okay, okay. I appreciate it. So I hear this commotion and I'm like, fuck, what's going on? I'm like, I better find my wife. <laughs> yeah. So I jump up and I turn around and I look towards the, the magic store and these gates are shut. Like the magic store had these gates on the front of it and they're like shut and you can't see in anymore on the gates. And I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, okay. And then I look and there's like 10 cops lined up to the side of this magic store into the side entrance door and they're forming like a tunnel, like a football team running out, like, yeah. you know, a tunnel of cheerleaders and band, band members. And they're forming this tunnel. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, where the fuck is my wife though? So I run over to the cops and I'm like, what's going on here? And, and the guy's like, um, uh, Michael Jackson's coming here. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like the real Michael Jackson? He's like, yeah. Now, mind you, everyone had ran towards like this. We're on a mezzanine, okay? Uh-huh. Everyone ran towards the balcony to look down to see what the commotion was down below. Whereas I'm like the only person out of thousands of people that's by the cops, right? Everyone else is trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. All of a sudden, Michael Jackson comes up the escalator with his entourage and they run right through this tunnel of cops, right into this side door and they run right into this magic store and close the door. I'm like, holy shit. I'm two feet away from Michael Jackson as he runs in this magic store. I'm like, that was Michael Jackson for real. Like, and when you see Michael Jackson and it's the real Michael Jackson, not some imposter, when you see the real one, Trust me, you know it's the real Michael Jackson. Yeah. There's no dispute of what he looks like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Post surgeries, right? Yeah. You know exactly what this man looks like. Yes. So he runs in there, door shuts, and I'm begging the police. I'm like, please let me go in there and meet Michael Jackson. <laughs> they're like, hell no. <laughs> and I was like, come on, please. And they're like, no, not <laughs> happening. No one's going in that store. So I'm panicked. I'm like, I wish I knew where my wife was at because I wanted her to like look through this window to see Michael Jackson with me. But I'm getting crushed. There are people behind me and everybody's got like disposable cameras. And real- <laughs> no one had phones back then taking pictures. I'm getting, cl- people are on top of me, pushing me down. And I'm like, no, get the fuck off me. I'm fighting people. <laughs> Damn. And I'm like, you know, it's literally thousands of people pushing, trying to get a look at Michael Jackson through this little porthole window or whatever on the side of this door. I mean, it's, this window was no bigger than a melon, right? And, and I'm like, please let me in. They're like, nope. And then I look through this window and I see my wife inside the magic store. <laughs> and she's talking to this dude in the suit and she's on her knees, literally on her knees going, please, please. I see her like mouth moving, please, please, please. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, I just see him shaking his head. And she's like, fuck. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, does someone have a camera? I need to take a picture of my wife in the store right now with Michael Jackson. It's a very small magic store. I'm telling you, it's like, maybe like 20 feet by 30 feet big, not a big room. Wow. Okay. It's maybe a little big. I mean, it's tough to say, but a very small store. Mm. I'm like, please let me take a picture of her in the same room with Michael Jackson. <laughs> and, and so like this family's like, here, here, take my disposable camera. And I'm trying to take pictures. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden the door opens and it's this guy dressed up in the suit and it's my wife and they're standing beside each other. And he puts his arm around her and they look at me and they're like, sorry, man. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. And he's like, just kidding. He's like, to the police officer, he's like, let him in. Oh. So I go in this magic store and Michael Jackson's in there. And they're like, all right, here, here's the deal, Jay. <laughs> Don't talk to Michael Jackson until he talks to you. And um, he's going to shop for a little bit. And um, when he's done shopping, he'll take his time with every person that's in here and sign autographs, take pictures or whatever. And I was like, okay, but there was really nobody in there. Like he had his entourage with him. Yeah. There was just this one family from Michigan who <laughs> happened to have a camera, which saves my day. Yeah. And he's like, um, so just let him shop and he'll talk to you when he's ready. I'm like, okay. So I'm in this little tiny magic store and there's like, you know, these like um, these bins and shelves and they're not very tall. Like they come to like, you know, the top of this case came to like here. Mm-hmm. So as I'm on the one side of the case looking at like, 
you know, Svengali decks and whatever, fake noses and thumbs and shit, like whatever's in a magic store. He's on the other side just shopping. Oh, I like this. I'll take one of these. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, holy shit, it's fucking Michael Jackson right in front of me. And um, so he shops for like 30, 40 minutes. And then he goes away and goes in the back of the magic store. It disappears with one of the coworkers or one of the workers there, one of the clerks. Comes back about five minutes later and he walks straight up to me. And he goes, hi, I'm Michael Jackson. And he shakes my hand. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm Jay. Uh, nice to meet you. And he goes, do you like magic? And I was like, I was like, fuck yes, I like magic. I love magic. <laughs> so he's like, do you want me to, um, you want to do some magic tricks with me? I was like, of course I want to do magic tricks with you, Michael. He's like, all right. He's like, well, you know, I used to go to Oprah's house all the time. And me and Muhammad Ali, we would do magic tricks with the kids. And we would really help them. They were so sick. And, and I'm like, oh, that's amazing, Michael. You're such a good person. He's like, so let's do some. So he takes out this deck of cards, you know, and he's like flipping through the deck. And he's like, all right, pick a card. So I pick a card. And it's like the 10 of hearts or whatever. And he's like, all right, put it back. And I, he shuffles it up. And then he's like, okay, now stop. I'm going to shuffle, riffle through the deck or rifle through the deck, whatever the word is. We speak English good. And he's <laughs> like, here, put your finger in here any point you want. I was like, so he's like flipping through it, put my finger in it. Stops. It's the 10 of hearts. He's like, ha, ah, see, I told you 10 of hearts. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And he's, like, he's like, I was just kidding. The whole deck is the 10 of hearts. And he flips through it the opposite direction. And it's the fucking 10 of hearts. Every card's a 10 of hearts, right? And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, here, have the cards. So he gives me this deck of cards, right? I was like, oh, that's so cool. So, and then he does more magic tricks with me. <laughs> He's doing magic. He pulls out more, more decks and he does like the fake thumb where you stuff stuff in and you're like, oh, it's not in my hand anymore. And there's no, there's no handkerchief, right? <laughs> He's doing all this shit. And it's fucking Michael Jackson. And when he's doing this thumb thing, I look at his hands and everybody always asks me, they're like, what was the weirdest thing, you know, about Michael Jackson? Did he look weird? And I'm like, well, first of all, I love Michael Jackson. So, I mean, I don't, I don't like talking shit about him. Yeah. But no, he didn't look weird to me, but his hands did. Mm. I mean, he really had these weathered, vitiligo you know like the disease yeah. where you lose your pigment he definitely had that in his hands it almost looked like his hands were dirty oh wow and he tried covering up with makeup that was and, and, his, and his fingernails were just gnawed and raw it was like wow. he just sat there and chewed them all day wow. that was the only thing because i saw his hands so close up when he was doing that that yeah. thumb trick and um so we get done doing magic and, and i'm like michael can i tell you a story and he's like yeah please i'm like I was such a big fan of yours growing up, still am. I'm like, I, you know, I used to dress up like you. Fuck, my friends used to drive around my hometown and I would jump in front of the car in the headlights and dance like you in the middle of the street while music was bumping. I'm like, I sing your music all the time. I'm like, I ran for school president my junior year of high school. And instead of giving some stupid speech about how I'm going to change lunches and do whatever, because no one does shit when they're <laughs> class president at high school, I just sang a Michael Jackson song. And I'm like, that was my speech. And he's like, oh yeah, what song did you sing? And I was like, called will you be there and he's like that's my mother's favorite song he's like sing it for me i was like oh shit so i'm like hold me like the river jordan and i will then and i just started singing it he's like oh i love it that's so great so i fucking sang acapella to michael fucking jackson (laughs) and he was like oh i love it it's my favorite song or my mom's favorite song i was like oh it's great and so then he's like um well that's so great he's like can i sign something for you i was like yes please he's like take some pictures the dude spent, you know, I say he spent about 45 minutes with me, but he really spent about 45 minutes with myself, my wife, and then his family from Michigan. Yeah. But he spent about 35 of those with me. Wow. And he spent that much time of his life. And, you know, I watched this. I don't know if you've seen this Michael Jordan special called The Last Dance on I ESPN. haven't seen it yet, no. It's fucking incredible. But what you realize is that anyone that's got that level of fame, they're just constantly hounded with microphones and cameras mm-hmm. and whatever it may be. 
and, and it's hard for them to spend any sort of time with any each individual fan. But Michael Jackson spent like 35 probably minutes or 30, 35 minutes with just me alone, just doing magic, talking about life. And um, it was surreal to say the least. And I would have spent a million dollars for that opportunity. You know, I have this amazing... I should probably, I should, I should pull this off. Hold yeah, on a second. Let's, let's see it. Uh, the, the people want to cool see it. So this, this is one of my prized possessions. And I'm absolutely going to give this, I'm absolutely going to give this to my daughter when she gets home. But that is me and Michael Jackson in 2002. And my shirt he signed <laughs> that says love Michael Jackson on it. And that is my prized possession in life. It that, really is. That that is an amazing story. Thank you so much. I'm I'm looking for the clap signal uh, emoji on here so I can clap <laughs> for you on the comments. But really, I'm just being distracted by technology as usual. Well, Jay, that that's amazing, man. Like, so I mean, so did he just, just like okay, guys, I'm leaving. Bye. And he just so he did off. have this. Yeah, he had this entourage. This is funny too. He has this entourage with him, and they were a lot of like parents. Actually, I think he spent a lot of time. You know, he gets a bad rap because you know, of course, he's got child abuse charges, right? Yeah. But he gets these like bad raps for being a bad guy. But what I witnessed is only what I witnessed. Who knows what he did otherwise? But what I saw was a bunch of families who had a bunch of kids with them. Some of them were part of like his crew, right? He mm -hmm. travels with people, and. They travel, I think this was like August of 2002, I believe. It's summertime. People are on, you know, traveling around doing whatever. Um, but uh, there were like, you know, at some Halloween stores or, or magic stores, they have masks, right? Mm. That you can buy. It's like uh, tons of masks. You know, you got Jason mask or uh, yeah, Jason mask or whatever, or whatever they might be. Scary mask, clown mask, whatever. They had scary Michael Jackson masks, okay? And he saw them and he was like, how many of those do you have? And the lady was like, I don't know. Let me check. So they check. And they had like, I don't know, 15 of them or something in stock. He's like, I want them all. So he buys them all. And every little kid in the whole entourage, and you know, there was probably like eight or nine little kids in this entourage with their parents. Mm -hmm. They all put on the masks. And this room was set up like a circle. Like there was like a bin in the middle of like, you know, like your shelves that you have all your magic tricks that, you know, your displays. Yeah. And they all ran in circles, like a campfire running around a circle. With, how, with Michael Jackson masks on. Scary Michael Jackson. So you got, you know, a yeah. little less than 10 kids all running around with Michael Jackson masks on. And you got Michael Jackson in the room. And I'm just sitting there going, imagine today if I had my phone, that yeah. video I would have. It would be fucking amazing. Yeah, that would be a billion viewed <laughs> video over and over again. I do have a picture where like a lady's bagging up uh, the Michael Jackson mask. I do have that. It's like in the background. She's like stuffing it in a bag. Um, so, you know, like to like prove out the story, but yeah. um, they're all running in circles. And I was just looking around and I look at my wife at the time. I'm like, Teresa, holy shit. Can you believe what we're experiencing right now? Um, but yeah, he got to a certain point where he bought as much as he wanted. Um, in fact, I think like 2020 or something was doing a special on him at the time. Mm -hmm. There's this video where Michael's dangling his youngest son off a yes. balcony. If you've ever seen this video, yes. that was shot during this like week or this month that they were following him. So all those people that were there. This guy named Martin Bashir, who's like a, a um, you know, like a correspondent for 2020. Mm -hmm. He was in the room, like doing, oh, okay. filming this stuff. There was a camera crew there, so they probably do have this video somewhere. Yeah. Actually, these kids somewhere this around. exists. This probably does actually. Um, but 
that he bought all this shit and a lot of people have watched that special and he bought a bunch of stuff at like Caesar's Palace like hundreds of thousands of stuff dollars of stuff but in this magic store he he spent like you know $15,000 on whatever yeah. and then they had this like king tut fortune teller machine out in front of the magic store where you know you put a buck in and it tells you your fortune he's like how much is that so they call the owner of the store and he's like $18,000 he's like all right i'll take that too <laughs> and 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 that was it he literally brokered that deal and then the whole crew just shot through that door Crowd went nuts, and before you know it, the gate's up, and I'm just standing there going, what a fucking amazing 45 minutes of my life that I'll never forget. Wow. Fucking A, man. Jay Shrub, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us, and, and we got to listen to some music, and, and please, it's Back to Earth, right? That's the name of the new album? New album comes out May 15th. It's called Back to Earth, and it's available everywhere, obviously. How can people get a hold of you? How can people find you? So, um, you know, we're Shrub Music on Facebook. We're Shrub Music on Instagram, Shrub Music on Twitter. Um, you know, we're on SoundCloud. If you just search for Shrub, um, uh, that's like the best ways to get a hold of Shrub. Obviously, Spotify, if you want to hear the music, hmm. uh, Apple Music, et cetera, Google Play, whatever you want. Um, you know... Really excited about this project. We got, again, Blaine Dillinger from Hyrie and I joined forces and really put this together. So I got to give love to him. Yeah. And, and, you know, we are a partnership on this, you know, putting this out. And I, I couldn't have done it without him. So I appreciate him and all his talents. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting this out. And hopefully people enjoy the new sound that you're going to hear. And and watch out because there's more coming. We're still working on even even new stuff as well after this. I'm kind of bummed we didn't get to talk about like the whole Cali Root scene, man. Because you know, uh, like, I know you're you're I know you're uh, you're a fan of it, especially with that song. Uh, I think it's I think it's Shrub Love, right? Where you do l let's play right. that, and then we'll take some questions from the from our viewers. If anybody has any questions, start shooting them in now. <laughs> Will you introduce the song so I don't get it wrong, please? Sure. My band is called Shrubs. This album is called. <laughs> Herbosaurus Rex. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, this is a brand new song. This is the first song off the record. Uh, it's called Shrub Love. New album's called Back to Earth. Comes out May 15th. Shrub Love. Was a young pub fortunate youth. So what's the hold up? What's the ballyhoo? Maybe I was stupid, maybe I was slightly. Figured I could stick through the low end, the high Remind me I should jet west, head out on the highway. One unified tribe doing it our way. Time to start the movement, time to spark the green. Start the revolution, wipe the slate clean. In this iration, we choose the station. Catch a fire, about to feel sublime No sign of John Brown Trevor checked the hallway Scotty don't worry, it's seamless like always I grew a ten foot gun to plant Put it in my treehouse Yeah, I smoke flower, drive an 880 South So roll my window down Came my bongers cashed out Time to head for the hill, kid And leave them no doubt Shrub love the 
11 Short bus to Long Beach I'm a catastrophe Dirty heads and stank feet First stop was Pasadena Scored me some black seeds Michael Jackson bad seeds Tomorrow I'ma plant these Setting records high as skunk Cali buds light it up Never been whiskey drunk But I love bumping some uglies Drop shop, get it tad Reggae on my silver bag Do it for the pain Do it for that Never be expendables, we be ineffable Cali rules, fire sun, brand new Kingston For the record, this is law, echo movements of your paw Roots of creation, be our foundation We about to so thrive, elevated so high Drive a pin on joyride, go and ask my boy my Love spread the dove, spread the shrub, never ease up Be a common king without a crown, think it's peace But we can be the super villains, roots of a new rebellion Stick figure drawing, lesson six figure drawing Sticky fingers from the resin Music power tunnel vision Fly the red, gold, green These are Jay's boogie back yeah man i really do, i really dig how you uh did that uh you just named a bunch of cool bands to sort of tell your story i, I like that i like that and, and it's very hip-hop too I, I really like that uh that thing that you just did wow i'm really falling off quick here okay so let, let, let's see if we got any questions if anybody has any questions for jay shrub please drop them in the comments now and we'll get them answered for you uh <laughs> Jay, what, so what, when you, uh, have you spent time in California? Have you done anything out there? Like, I, I know you said you performed yeah. out in San Diego. Um, and you're, yeah, you're, I've had a, a couple really cool opportunities. You know, we did tour, we did a, like a 35 show, I believe, tour, um, where we played up and down, you know, really all over the United States, honestly, went from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast and, and nice. back. Um, but you know, we played in San Diego at the house of blues. We played in Anaheim at the house of blues. Oh, nice. uh, we played in Riverside, California. We played, uh, at the catalyst in okay. Santa Cruz, yeah. uh, which was phenomenal. Um, and then we played, um, uh, as well in San Francisco, I forget the name of that venue, but it was also incredible. Um, and so we've got some of those shows and a lot of those shows were like sold out. We were lucky enough to be on tour with, with bad fish, the sublime tribute band. Oh, nice. And, and they put us on some amazing shows. So, you know, we got to see that scene and see how people responded to Shrub. And, and it was phenomenal. I mean, I think that was the heyday of Shrub. That was when we really felt like we were firing on all cylinders. Um, but, uh, you know, I've spent some time in, in Northern California as well. Um, when we worked on uh, the Hyceratops album, um, <laughs> is what it's called. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Herbosaurus Rex album. Um, we uh, we did four or five of those songs um, in in Weed, California. It's called with uh, with a lady named Sylvia Massey, who she gets her fame because she discovered Tool. Mm. Um, she was Rick Rubin's uh, engineer for many years. She oh, was okay. Prince's engineer. Well, I think um, I know who she is actually. I yeah, think I've so read an did, interview with her in Tape Up. Yeah, so we did four or five songs with her, and then we came back to Columbus and and finished that album. But you know, we've had a few chances to go out there. Um, and play and you know and i've been to cali roots as well the mm -hmm. festival um and i went to the second one i believe oh cool so when it was Monterey. still still like it was still a smaller thing 
it was smaller, but you know, it was starting to get oh, bigger. Yeah. Well, um, that thing. I mean, Cal Cal Ruth blew up so quickly. I mean, it, it's so interesting to the to, to see that as like a, a birthday party that turned into a, a movement. Essentially, you know, it's 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 very interesting. It's a very interesting story. Did you see that documentary about Coachella at all on YouTube? No. No, I Dude, it is really good. And I was thinking like, man, I would love to see some kind of um, Cal Roots type documentary like that. You should check it out. It's super fascinating. <clears throat> so yeah, let's, let's, take, check it out. let's take some uh, questions here. So uh, Car Card Cal said, who's your favorite triangle player and merch girl? Well, well I think we already talked about the triangle player, uh, <laughs> Pedro, Pedro Pistola. AKA Pistol Pete, you know, he comes in and plays one note um, on that song. <laughs> Damn right, he does. He plays the shit out of that note. It's a very important note in I that agree. tune. Um, and uh, that's on Coconut Tree. Um, he's definitely my favorite uh, triangle player. But Merch Girl, man, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, we, we are known uh, all across the land for our merch, which is, you know, something that, that I take a lot of pride in. And part of my day job is creating merchandise. Um, oh, and sweet. working with bands and helping them as well. Um, but uh, I've had so many. I think anyone that's willing to help a band mm. and go out and be so uh, unselfish to go out and and help them push their wares and help make a living off music, which is very tough. Very and, you know, you got three revenue streams. I was watching this video last night from Thomas Cousins, who is the, um, the president, I think, of Ineffable Music, uh, if you've heard of them, mm. um, which they get a shout out in Shrub Love that you just heard. But he said, you know, there's three things in the music business. There's music that makes you money. There's um, touring and there's merch. And you got to do all three really well. Hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, merch is super important. So I just appreciate all the, the, the merch folks that we've had, you know. So it's a, it's a selfless job and, and it means so much to the band. And they work uh, really hard and they bust their ass all night. So that's my you know, PC answer for that. But we've had some good ones. What what was what was some of your like what what are some of your ones that stand out that sold well? Like is it the design? Like or is it the merchandise itself? Like is it like pipes or something? Like I, I'm just what yeah. makes it so awesome? Well I mean that's up to the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So I'm with you. I think it's awesome, but, but you'll have to ask the people. <laughs> people that are shopping okay. um <laughs> you know my favorite thing that that i i like to do was um you know you go see you get hats right like i'm a hat guy yeah i, I like hats too me too man i got my wu-tang sd right now baby you can't really exactly i love it i see the woo i see it you got that woo dog. baby okay. i see it <laughs> um but you know hats are my my thing they're kind of my jam and you know i think at one time we had 198 different hats on the table Jeez. and 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 that was our record at any given time of the most we had. <laughs> you designed all that? I mean, so I would find good blanks where yeah. um, they were all unique. You know, they, maybe they were flowers. Maybe another one had pictures of ducks on it or something. It, it could be anything, right? Yeah. I bought whatever I could find. Doesn't matter how funky, stupid, whatever I could find, I bought it. And then yeah. I'd embroider them. Oh, no. And everyone got unique embroidery colors. Everyone got a unique hat. Uh. And that's a one-of-a-kind piece. And I was super into that because I always like when I'm, when I'm at a show and, you know, and I see 10 different people wearing the same shirt, I'm always like, okay, well, that shirt's cool. But I think, you know, people nowadays, especially with social media, whatever, they want to stand out. They want something a little more unique and, and express themselves their own way. And I think we all crave that. So 
those hats, man, the hat game was super strong in the shrub band. Let me tell you. <laughs> I love that. So. <laughs> uh, Pedro has a lot of questions. So we're going to, we're going to get the, so first uh, let's go with, cause this one's the best question I've seen so oh, far no. is how were you connected to ICP back in the day? Oh no. And if anybody, if anybody doesn't know who ICP is, it's the insane clown posse out of Detroit, Michigan, uh, Midwest heroes to some, Midwest assholes to others. Um, <laughs> so please, uh, please fuck. indulge us. Well, first of all, fuck you, Pedro, for asking that <laughs> fuck question. Fuck you, Pedro. <laughs> Thank you, Pedro. I appreciate it. Oh, God, man. So, you know, I used to do a lot of acid and, and <laughs> trip on a lot of mushrooms. I like when and, stories start like that. <laughs> and, you know, freshman year of college, you know, ICP, the Insane Clown Posse, they weren't really a known commodity to, in, in 1995. Okay, I'm old, right? So 1995, I'm a freshman in college. And, um, you know, they had like a couple albums out, like I forget, Ringmaster, Riddlebox, I think Riddle were the two kind of like- Chicken right? Chicken. Who's going chicken hunting? Who's going chicken hunting? <laughs> um, they had this stuff out, and, and uh, I had never heard of them, by the way. <laughs> but I went to this concert- um, in uh in toledo at the asylum it was called oh it was my, downtown yeah. you know. ever heard of the asylum oh yeah i've been there many times so oh, i used I to another, it's, it's not i have another anymore. crazy story about the asylum too when this is done but <laughs> okay i'm ready about about icp at the asylum okay but i go to the asylum and we went and watched too short i believe was the rapper too short yeah i love too short and icp was opening up for him okay <laughs> yeah and i had no idea who too short or uh, icp was i went there for this too short concert yeah and I get to this venue and this is kind of back to the merch story, but I get there and I look at their merch table and I see two shorts merch table and the dude's got a lot of CDs. If you're a two short fan, you know, this guy's pumped yeah. out a lot of music <laughs> and he's got all his CDs and maybe like a shirt, right? Yeah. I don't remember yet. He, he had nothing compared <laughs> to what ICP had. Yeah. ICP had, they had hats, jackets, chains yeah. and whatever, right? They had so much shit, more albums that like way more than just ringmaster and real box. They had like six or seven different albums. Mm -hmm. And I start looking, I'm like, who the fuck is the insane clown? I had no idea who this band was, right? And I see all these juggalos, which I, or ninjas as they called themselves back then a lot. I see them painted up and I'm like, what the hell? You guys are like, kiss. Why are all your fans painted up? So I go up to the merch table and this guy working the merch table, his name was Jump Steady. He happens to be Violent J's brother. Violent J is in the insane clown posse. Yeah. He's one of the two. And I go up to this dude and no idea who it was. And I was like, hey man, who the fuck is ICP? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, man, we're just some killer clowns from Detroit, Michigan. And I was like, really? You're killer clowns. Killer? That's very interesting. And he's like, yeah, but they had a line 15, 20 people deep. Yeah. And these kids are buying one of everything. And I was enthralled with, it. I was amazed by it. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I said, have you ever heard of the internet <laughs> or the, the World Wide web? I think is actually what I said. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've heard of this. I'm like, well, I'm a freshman in college and I'm kind of getting into this computer stuff and I'd like to build a website. He, I was like, can I build one for you guys? He's like, well, you can help, help us build one. I was like, sweet. Oh. So I go back to my dorm room and I start trying to figure out how to build a website. And, and next thing you know, you know, I built like this thing that was called Mr. Kabuki Man's Theater. And basically, that was me. I was Mr. Kabuki Man, um, which, you know, they did shout me out on the Great Malenko album. So if oh, you man. have, it's the best album they ever made. If you open it up and read it, it says, 
Mr. Kabuki Man, the ninja from Bowling Green. That's what it says in the album. Nice. Um, on the uh, and that was a very proud moment for me. But you know, I just helped those guys build up a fan base online. You know, the internet wasn't anything at the time. Right. No one really knew what was going on. Hell, you could have re- registered TacoBell.com back then. Like no one had it registered. Right. Right. This is in those days. But I helped build up their fan base for them. I created a chat room for them where they could go on and talk to their fans. Yeah. Um, and you knew that you were talking to the insane clown posse. You know, and Violent Jade called me on the phone. He'd be like, hey, man, hey, I'm getting ready to go on right now and I'm going to talk to some fans. Let them know it's me, you know, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out a way to let fans know and make it their, their, like, their ID kind of show out or sh- uh, show up in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I built the Mr. Kabuki Man's Theater, which was a part of their official website. That's dope. And I, you know, we went from like having like a hundred, you know, people like joined up or, or in there and it was like 60, 70,000 kids wow. by the time I finished. And they were signing major record deals after that. Yeah. You know, not because of that, but you know, it was a part of it. It sure as hell helped because I mean, look at what being, look at what internet present presence means today. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. It was, it was smart. That's that's really cool, man. That's a really so that's cool. what got me into software development. The insane clown posse <laughs> is how I discovered. <laughs> now, was I a fan? Was I a fan? Right, I get that question all the time, and I'm almost embarrassed to say it. Right, yeah. but at the time, and I don't know why, but at the time, you know, fuck yeah, I was like yeah. traveling around and like going to shows, helping them out, you know, working on these sites and helping however I could with merch if they needed help with anything. Yeah. But I learned so much from watching these guys. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just a fan, right? At, at that moment. And, you know, traveling around with my buddy who was into it and just seeing them and just watching them grow was what I was into. It was more like lessons about the music business to me. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what I got from it. Merchandising, if you're not watching what the fuck ICP is doing, you don't understand how you can make money in this music business. But at the same time, just watching them build a following and how they have a brand and all that stuff is important. Brand fans merchandising it it all adds up to being a successful band right and and certainly i modeled the shrub merch after them in fact that's interesting you know shrub love right it's like this you don't know this because you think we're called shrubs but um (laughs) there's this (laughs) i'm just fucking with you dude. there's this there's this concept of shrub love which we scream all the time it's a brand for us shrub Mm. love shrub love right we preach it right it just means to like give respect and love to people around you but it really kind of comes from an ICP thing, which they have clown love is yeah. what they used to say. Clown love. And, 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 and to whatever it meant to them, you know, I kind of picked up on that and I was like, well, their fans to them, that's their way of showing love for each other in the scene. And I wanted to build that same sort of community. So that just kind of caught, caught on, you know, shrub love. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people think shrubs about smoking weed and, and about ganja, but it's not shrub. You know, it just happens to be a nickname in my family because my last name sounds like shrubbery. It really is very close. <laughs> okay. Um, and so we all are shrubs. Like we were the shrub family, you know, little shrub, big shrub, whatever. <laughs> and and that's where shrub comes from. But shrub really to other people is just, it's the community of people that are just, you know, into just being real and love and having fun, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to build. So. That's my ICP story. I, well, I mean, don't repeat that to people. Okay, but, I won't. I'll keep it. It's no. just between us. It's, it's between <laughs> us, Jay. On this podcast. <laughs> um, it, well, no, I, I love what you said about that because you're absolutely right with ICP. They, I mean, I didn't even know who ICP was, but I knew what their merchandise looked like, like before I even ever heard a song by them. Because you walking around and you have your fucking Janko jeans with your Juggalo shirt. And Actually you, in Toledo. Uh, 
<laughs> Toledo, yes, in Toledo. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. To- well, Toledo. Hey, I'm gonna say this. I used to not like Toledo. Toledo used to be a shithole. I'm sorry, long time Toledo lovers, but I left Toledo for a reason. Now Toledo's cool. I like Toledo now. It's interesting. It, it is. But anyways, you know. Like, but you're right. Their marketing and their merchandise was on point. And yeah, the fact brilliant. that I knew who they were and what their brand looked like before even knowing what one song sounded like is a testament to their marketing. I mean, that that's, you know, say what you want about them and Fago or whatever, but they fucking rock that shit. And, and, <clears throat> Especially nowadays in in this climate, trying to make money, and well, even now with this pan fucking demic, but uh, you know, like going on the road is one of the main ways people make money in music right now because um, people aren't buying albums per se; they're streaming. and And I'm a streamer; I'm not shit talking because I love Spotify. But uh, you know, it, it just people are consuming music differently these days. They're not buying albums, so going to a show loaded with merchandise it might l- l- make your load a little heavier but I-, I think it's a good idea to take your merch with you and have and i like that idea of having several different varieties and 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 turning it on almost into a fashion line of its own because it, that's what happened when you look at icp and the juggalos it turned into a fashion of its own and it was like this little cult i've gone to those fucking gathering at the juggalos i worked a gathering of the juggalos out Whoa. at nelson ledges and oh, it was pretty fucking crazy <laughs> as you could have vanilla ice was there that year so That's uh, dope. <laughs> uh, oh yeah fucking hey man um you know what's funny too is please. they used to pay me with merch right <laughs> and i would go to ebay and sell that merch like that's there's the and that's how i make money because there was not? this there was this um they do like hockey jerseys right and there right. was they made three of these hockey jerseys once and they were on mtv and they were wearing them. They had just got kicked off a Disney label, like yes, a label called Hollywood Records. Mm. Signed them, put out this album called Great Milenko. Like mm. two days later or whatever, they canceled it, you know, took them off the roster. And they went on MTV. First time they ever got on MTV. And they were like, fuck Disney, <laughs> fuck Hollywood Records. But they're wearing these hockey jerseys. <laughs> well, they sent me the third one as payment for what I was doing for them. Oh, wow. And I went fucking eBay and I just sold that shit. <laughs> And, and, and that's how I made money off that project because they couldn't give me cash. They're a band trying to make it. You know, right. They weren't big yet, right? right. They, sure, they signed this big deal with Disney, but they got ripped off. You're not ripped off. They got canceled right, right. away. But then Island Records, which mm-hmm. is like you know, Bob Marley right. and all that stuff. I mean, it's, there's a lot of other people on the roster, but Island Records is like, you know what? We're going to sign you, ICP. And then you know, they went you know, number four on the Billboard charts yeah. when the album came out. And that, that blew them up. The, that was the real thing that blew them up. But, you know, that's how I used to make money, too. So I learned early on, man, the merch game's got to be strong if you want to make some money in the music business. I also like I also like that there was that feud between Eminem and fucking and and was it? Well, ICP, it was that on his first album where they have, um, you know, have, oh, Violin J. Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh, yeah, Violin (laughs) J. Give some to Shaggy. Give some. (laughs) You know what's funny, too, is like being a part of that scene in 1995, 96. I remember a show at Cleveland. I think it's called the the Odeon, maybe it was. I forget the name of it. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah, the Odeon. No, it's uh, the... uh, Never mind. Okay, please continue. One of these, it's either Cincinnati or Cleveland. This place was called the Odeon. Agora? Agora? It might be the Odeon, though. It might have been Cincinnati, though. Okay. If that's the name. Maybe it's Agora. Some venue. Okay. And I'm there, and I'm, you know, just watching 
ICP play their show and I look over and there's Kid Rocks standing right beside me. Okay. Now Kid Rock was a nope, was not known at this time. Okay. Right. He was not super famous. He had like gone on tour with like Ice Cube and, mm-hmm. and some of these rappers as a DJ. And he had a couple albums out. And, and there's like one early album by uh, Kid Rock. I mean, way before his album that got famous. But there's this one, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's, he's like sitting on a bed in the front cover and his shirt's off. And he's got like Paul written in a tattoo on Does his arm. Does he have the hair? Like the straight up? That's the very first album oh, called okay. like Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast yeah. or something like that. He had that out though. And that kind of gave him a name, Mm -hmm. but this was like a more like a beastie boys ish kind of album. Mm -hmm. In fact, like grand Royal records who the beastie boys, you know, they put out this like magazine called grand Royal magazine or something like that. I think they were like featuring, um, this one girl group. I can't think of their name right now. I want to say it was L seven, but I don't think that's the right name. Um, uh, with my naked eye, I saw the falling rain. I think that's one of their songs, maybe. But they had this album or this this magazine out, and they featured Kid Rock. They were like, "There's this dude in Detroit who put out this album, and it's really fucking good." So I had heard of Kid Rock because of this feature in Grand Royal Magazine, and I was like, "Man, Kid Rock!" So I knew who he was, right? And he's in the scene. He did some songs with ICP as well. So I kind of knew who he was. And I look over, and he's standing right beside me, and he's got this full blue sequin outfit on. I mean. He had a, a top hat. He had a whole thing. And I was like, man, you can't rock. And he's like, he was so shocked that someone knew who he was, right? <laughs> and he was just there because he was in that scene. He was part of that scene. Yeah. And Eminem was somewhat part of that scene too. Yeah. Um, you know, there was this rapper named Esham, if you've ever heard of him. I have. There was, there was ICP, there was Kid Rock, and there was Eminem. And they were all kind of part of it. Even Eminem's like, I'm a mix between Manson, Esham, and Ozzy or something. He yeah. says this in one of his lines. And he is, he grew up in that Detroit, like acid rap, wicked rap, kind of whatever you want to call that style. Luscious Jackson. Thank you, Pedro Pistola. That was the name of that band, not L7, Luscious <laughs> Jackson. Um, but he grew up in that scene. And, um, you know, and then you watch him just completely blow up. Right. Um, Kid Rock completely blows up as well. Esham, you know, didn't really go that far. He's with ICP's record label. But, you know, they were really producing some cool shit. But, you know, it, it was just a surreal moment to be like a, an 18 year old kid and, and seeing how the music business works and, you know, segue to 2020. I'm still trying to see how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, again, we're on Instagram live. So if you have any questions, drop them in the comments. We're, we're getting ready to wrap up here. So we're going to only take a couple of more. So I think, I think, Pist- I think Pistol Pete or wait. Is Pedro Pistolo Pistol Either or. Okay. They're synonymous. <laughs> They're synonymous. Uh, <laughs> someone asked earlier about the story behind the song Dick. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is all the good stuff. You guys are getting all the stories. Getting all the stories. Oh, there's a real story about Dick, and then there's the one I kind of tell. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Back to the white lies. Um, or maybe it's just hiding the whole story. Um. Dick and the Mashed Potatoes is a song that's kind of, it's something that we, it's my favorite song to play live. Um, If you don't know the song, it's not on a record. There's probably some live videos out there. Um, But, you know, oh man. So, (laughs) (laughs) let's hear it. So, (laughs) um, the real story is is kind of funny. Um, I think we were at a show uh, in Ohio. And, um, there's this band that we're friends with, um, and they're called Tropidelic. Oh, if yeah. you've heard of them. Yes. Yeah, um, and you know, we've played a lot of shows with them and, and done some collabs. Are they and, out of Ohio? 
They're out of Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. And, and they had a song called uh, Grits, which is like early on was one of like so really one of their songs that kind of took off amongst their fans. Um, and I remember we played the show and afterwards we were hanging out with some of those guys in Trap and we were sitting on the bus. And I, I, I was sitting there like, you know, talking about grits because they're like, uh, do you like salt and pepper on your mac and cheese? Do you like blah, blah, blah? I don't remember all the lyrics, but it's something like that. It's about food and yeah. like, you know, stay off my grits, bitch, <laughs> right? It's kind of like one of the parts of the hooks. And, and I just started thinking, well, if it's going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's kind of like what I came up with, but I didn't invent that phrase. Um, you know, there's this old, old comedian from like the 20s or 30s. I, I can't remember his name offhand. But if you just search up uh, stick your dick in the mashed potatoes, there's a joke that he told about sticking his dick in the mashed potatoes. And the whole line is, if it's going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> And so I just took that phrase and I was like, well, if they're going to talk about grits and it's going to be that kind of party, well, I'm just going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. And before <laughs> you know it, some dude started strumming along on his acoustic guitar and I started singing and our boy Terrence in the band, um, who, you know, was, a, you know, the original singer on the coconut tree song when we first started playing it. Mm -hmm. um, he started singing harmonies on that. And then I just started making up the rest, you know, and I was like, if it's going to be. That you know, party. I'm gonna stick my dick in the mashed potatoes if it's gonna be. And I just started singing. He's like, I will, I will, I will. Don't even test me. I will. And it just kind of came of that, right? Just like it's natural. We just started making up shit on the spot. Yeah. And then we went out and played it at the set on the set. And it was <laughs> it was somewhat of a response to a tropidelic song, which is is their grit song. But you know, all done in jest, all done because you know we were boys and. um and, you know, if they're going to talk about grits, we're going to talk about what we do to mashed potatoes. <laughs> I, I love that song, by the way. Go check it and out. And somebody Search wrote Shred F -U -C -K on the board. Um, the, the actual comedian, <laughs> which I'm playing right now, you can't hear it. What is the pronunciation of F-U-C-K? I'm, I'm trying to. Well, it's you guys can't hear it. I'm playing a little right now. It's by Mantan Moreland, who I've heard of that's Mantan. It. I've heard of Mantan. Yeah, man. Yeah. That that's fun. Well, and Jay, the Beastie Boys sampled that. By yeah, the way, they that, sampled that line and put that on one of their albums. I saw. So. I saw that. I saw that in my Google search. It's not that I knew yeah. that because I'm the hugest fan of Beastie of the Beasties, but I do like the Beasties. Jay Shrub, thank you so much. Thank you everybody on Instagram who stuck with us. Thank you for coming back to us when we when fucking Instagram kicked us off because they're assholes. Um, so Jay, again, I appreciate it. And the new album Back to Earth is out May fifteenth. Go and check that shit out. Go buy that. Go stream that. Go go give a shout to Jay and just tell him that you love him. Just tell him, tell him. You don't have to be angry, Jay. You don't have to be angry. We love you. <laughs> I, I fuck with you, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Jay. And, um, you know, uh, we'll, uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you out there and uh, seeing how your album does. And I like the album. And I, it's, it's, it was a fucking fantastic cock. Jesus Christ. I, I'm glad that I can't stick the ending here. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me, Jay. I appreciate it. I appreciate you too, man. Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate you coming on the show and, you know, just being honest. And, um, I mean, God, what about that? Michael Jackson story. It's an incredible story. 
what what an incredible story to have and, and have a picture of as well. Uh, he actually, if you guys were, if anybody's listening who was on the live, he actually showed the picture on Instagram. So it was really fun to see uh, the picture of him and Michael Jackson at the Magic Store um, live. That's what I love about the live aspect. That's what I love about live streaming. Um, that's what I love about this whole, you know, this whole video chat era of interviewing. Uh, you know, we, you can share these cool moments with the audience. And so I'm really, so I'm kind of torn about doing this whole Twitch thing. Again, Jay Shrub, uh, go get his new, el- wow, that was gross. <laughs> go get his new album, uh, Back to Earth, came out last Friday, May 15th. So it is currently available on all streaming platforms. Again, I'm not sure if there is any physical copies available, but you can go to shrublove.com and find out for yourself. Um, so it's S-H-R-U-B-L-O-V-E.com. I'll make sure I leave some show notes, uh, leave some links in the show notes to the album, to the website, to some socials of Shrub. Go out there, support them. Go click on those sons of guns and and subscribe and like and review his stuff and because uh you know he's a genuine artist and i really loved i really loved how he was talking about how he writes and because he's just a vocalist he's not a guitarist he's not instrumentalist so he has to sit there and explain himself to instrumentalists and i've been in that position so much so many times where the 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 vocalist is just sort of humming things to you and you're like okay i'm doing that and you know, it's it, it it's I love it. I love it. I hate it when vocalists feel powerless in the writing process, where they only feel like they only have a say on the words or the melody of the words. It's like no, like if you're the vocalist, you should really be, you know, um, not controlling, but you should definitely have a voice on how arrangements are put together because whatever instrumentalist thinks nobody's looking at the bass player like, yeah, he's shredding. I mean, some are. I am. Or the guitarist. Yeah, the guitarist gets a lot of love, but it's the vocalist. The vocalist is the star of the show. And so I feel like a lot of times instrumentalists can lose perspective on that. Depending on the gig, you know, vocalists are the star of the show. So let's not get ahead of ourselves, instrumentalists. I know I know how instrumentalists view vocalists in some circles. So I know how that goes. Uh, it's a it's it's a stupid way of thinking. And um, so anyways, I don't know how we got to the vocal. Oh, yeah, because Jay writes with his voice a lot. Uh, oh, and I hope you like that Michael Jackson interlude. I hope I don't get torn took down because of that. I don't know who owns the rights to Michael Jackson's uh, demos, but I just thought that was fun. Um, anyways, so uh, the streaming thing. I so the show was fun to do on the live Instagram live, despite the interruption. And um, I, you know, after that show, I was like, "Wow, I really like the live aspect, and I want to bring it back to the show again." Um, and Twitch is just this cool platform that is really is that really will allow me to do that. So here's the problem. If you saw the podcast on Instagram live, how are you going to go and actually listen to the podcast once it becomes an audio version? 
I mean, once I listen to a podcast, unless I really need information that came from that podcast, I won't listen to it again. Uh, I, I generally don't. Sometimes I do. If it's a really good episode, like um, <laughs> like I love Alex Jones on uh, JRE. I know Al- I know Alex has a bad reputation at this point, but that that interview or that conversation is just so bizarre and just so outrageous. It's just so funny. Um, yeah, so I, I'll find myself re-watching that episode just because it's fun to see Alex Jones like screaming into a mic, half drunk, talking about interdimensional child molesting lizards. It's it's fun, okay? It's fun. <laughs> so I do find myself re-watching that particular episode on YouTube, but uh, you know, for the most part, people don't go and re-listen to podcasts. So that that's sort of my thinking on this is like well, if I put out a live version of the show, are people going to stop going and listening? And I don't think that's the case. Um, so there's other factors on why I haven't gone all the way in for the streaming yet. So, um, you know, scheduling with my wife is hard. We, you know, we got limited time, limited space. So it, there's a lot that goes into it that I, I would have to add on top of doing all the editing. So. I've been, I've been, I've been sort of stalling on pulling the trigger, and uh, I'm just still not sure. And Raina, my wife, she made a great point. Is like, well, if you're on the fence with this thing, you probably shouldn't just jump into it because I feel like if you're gonna get on Twitch, that you really have to to be successful on it. Really, you really have to inundate yourself with it too. You have to get into people's chats. You have to go and talk to people. You have to talk to artists. Um, you, you know, you you just have to be kind of social in that weird internet social chat way. And uh, it does really well for people who are pretty you know shy and, and introverted. Um, People feel more, I mean, it's obvious how people will anonymously write horrible messages to people on YouTube, uh, you know, so people who normally wouldn't be able to chat like they chat in real life are able to do it on Twitch rather seamlessly, you know, and um, on Twitch you can be the social butterfly, you know, and in real life it can be weird, it can be really weird and it's a really, it, it really is a skill that you have to develop um, if you'd never developed it, which me, that's what I had to do. I had to go out and force myself to talk to people, uh, and record it just so I could get, and put it out and put it out into a public forum just so I could get past my own, my own shyness and my own, uh, I just, uh, even on the internet, I get weird. I don't want to say things. I, it's just, it's part of social anxiety and all that bullshit so uh it's a great place <laughs> for for you social outcasts who want to want to you, you want to communicate with other human beings but it's just so awful doing it in person so <laughs> uh, it's a great place for that uh, and again we're off subject so the streaming thing i'm still putting a pin in it i i'm talking to some amazing artists this week tonight i'm talking to glow stick willie uh, who is a regional band here in Ohio? Um, they uh, they do awesome. They do their own festivals like Hookahville uh, from Acoustic Hookah. I know my listeners who have no idea about the Ohio jam scene. 
And just like, I don't know any of these names. But some of you guys I picked up from the hookah interview. So you guys will be into this. Uh, he, they just had Dave Katz, which I had Dave on the show. And they were talking about Hookahville, which is canceled. And so I'm really, really interested in talking to them. But the reason why I bring up Glow Stick Willie, and I'm also talking to another band called The Fantastic Plastics, these guys are directly from Twitch. This is, well, not Glowstick Willie. I heard Glowstick Willie outside Twitch. But as soon as I found out that they had a Twitch, I was like, oh shit. And it is amazing. I fucking, you know, like, they're funny dudes. Glowstick Willie. And um, I really, I really will like their, their interviews. Um, you could tell that they're not, you know, um, they're not seasoned at interviewing people, but they, but they're cool enough and they're funny enough cool enough what the fuck <laughs> they're smart enough uh and and uh uh nimble on their feet to be able to communicate with other musicians quite well um but i i honestly don't know how long they've been even doing the whole uh the whole twitch thing or or podcasting because they're doing interviews now and then they do jams i'm talking a lot about this but anyways i'm talking about twitch and um I'm pulling uh, some great acts from Twitch uh, to be on the show, and it's just a cool community. And to see when you hear people talking on Twitch about it, when you when you're hanging out in their chats or they're hanging out in their channels, um, you start hearing about these people. And some of the some of these people are twitching who have some of them have like 200 people a night watching them, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot when you think about like views on YouTube, like billion views, you know, uh, some of these videos get millions and millions of views and, and that's fine. And I don't know how much that translates into real fans, like real super fans who stick around, who support you and everything you do because they like what you do and they like you. I don't know if that translates, but what I do know is that when you look at people who are doing well on Twitch and you go and look at their other numbers, their other numbers are solid as well. So it, it, it I, I just love it. And I'm going to say it again is that it just, it's a cool place to sort of build your little army, your little community of super fans. And, and that's what it's all about is finding super fans who will support you um, in what you do. Um, a lot of people can like a song that you have, but they're not going to go out there and, and throw you a tip, you know, or send you a random Venmo, like, here's five bucks. I really liked your song, you know? So it was just, not that it's all about the money, but, I mean, we talk about this way too much. Artists need to get paid for the work that they put in. So it, it's just, it, it's really interesting when you hear from the actual artists on the channels as you get to know people, how it's like, for instance, the Fantastic Plastics, who are, who are going to be on tomorrow night, they were saying that, um, you know, they traveled the country, they they sunk they sunk all this money in touring, they 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 were getting nowhere. You know, once in a while, they would, they said they would have some weird alien pop out and be like, "I love you guys," but other than that, it was really hard for them to gain a following. They're on a you know they they were in Brooklyn, which is not an easy place to even exist let alone try to have a, a music career and if you 
ever heard the Fantastic Plastics or have ever seen the Fantastic Plastics, and if you haven't, please go do that. It's very easy to Google Fantastic Plastics. Um, a glow stick willy for that matter as well. But uh, Fantastic Plastics, they their stream is like a new wave psychedelic fucking daydream bro it is nuts uh like they have a lot uh they do a lot of call twos uh they call to devo a lot i i get a devo vibe um but they have costumes they have green screens they have crazy lights they have synths um it's a husband and wife duo so that also is appealing to me because of my husband and wife duo stuff um and uh, it's just a, I love what they're doing, but it's just interesting when you hear them talk about how like nobody gave a shit about them and then they got on Twitch and now, you know, they're, they're able, their, their Spotify is doing pretty well. Their numbers all across the board are doing pretty well. And when I talk about numbers, I'm talking about analytics. And of course that I know that sounds so sterile, but this is my life now. I just look at numbers every morning. I just wake up, look at numbers. I, I feel like a stock trader. What's the numbers saying today? But these numbers really do inform you on how to, you know, on what uh, what your audience wants and what your audience what your audience is, and uh, that that informs you. It informs you how to market. Uh, I don't think it should inform you on how to like create your music or in or how you want to do your podcast or whatever. Although it's not a bad idea to listen to your audience <laughs> if you want to grow. Uh, but sometimes when your audience, maybe if yours is a smaller show like mine, uh, numbers is how you sort of navigate that. So navigate what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. So anyways, when you look at numbers of people who are on Twitch, they they tend to correlate with the numbers that they get on Twitch. And uh, you know, like some of these gamers get like thousands and thousands, and I think Skrillex is on Twitch, so Skrillex, of course, is gonna get thousands of views. Um, but you know, some of these people, some of these artists who are um, reaching partnership level on Twitch, which it's a whole thing. There's affiliate and partnerships and badges and emotes. You'll have to get into it. I can't. I'm not gonna get into it here, but partners is like the highest level and you're you know you're in the group you're in twitch and uh, so uh you know these guys are hitting partner and they're they're they have you know 200 people in their channel a night maybe more it, it just depends and uh, it's just it, it's really interesting how this how twitch translates into you know just real numbers with real people who are really supporting you who are really interacting with you who are really telling you exactly how they feel and uh it's just such a great direct link okay i know i'm just i know i've gone on and on about twitch and how cool it is but um whether or not i get on it i i don't know yet it, it's still up in the air i i, I do want to do it i really do but i i just it's just a whole nother avenue that you have to add to the podcast. And I already spend every since I started incorporating the website and, and getting the website back on track and, and then building out everything. Every episode takes fucking hours. So, um, you know, and at this point, I don't really have anything else to do but do the podcast and build the podcast and, you know, write and make music. But still it's like fuck dude 
I've a a job that took me like one day, maybe one morning to get done now takes me uh, two mornings, two full mornings to get done. So it's it's a it's a it's it's it it takes time to do these, and um, I know it might not seem like that sometimes when you get all these fucked up mistakes, Uh, but. I do put a lot of time in this, and I do take a lot of pride in this, so um, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I just I just don't know if I want to add more hours to it. And um, I don't know, because there is going to be a, a, another, you know, there hopefully <laughs> there will be a, a, an other, the other side of this whole pandemic thing, and hopefully things can get back to somewhat of a normal state, so... Um, I'm gonna have my schedule. My schedule is gonna get crazy again. I mean, which is funny that my schedule is already fucking crazy, and it's a pandemic, and we're we're literally getting paid to just stay home. And I'm busier now than fucking ever. So it's just more shit to add on, is what I'm saying. It's more shit to add on to my plate. And once we get past the pandemic and life begins again and life starts tearing me in a thousand fucking directions again, you know, um, am I going to be able to maintain that? Am I going to be able to keep that up and, and every week put up my schedule on Twitch and every week, you know, the great thing about Twitch is that you after you're done, you you have the video there and of course take those videos and put them on youtube so it's uh it's great because there's no editing involved and it's just this live thing that happens and um of course the show would stay the same the other part about it is that you have to interact with people and when what i love about watching glow stick willy is that they do it so well they interact but they don't let the interactions with the chat uh, interrupt the conversation with the guest and that was my biggest concern is like well is this going to be too much of a distraction am I going to be able to stay on point you know am I going to be able to hold people's attention without interacting because a big part of twitch is being able to interact with your favorite artist or your favorite gamer or whatever the fuck it is and um, so not being able to interact would be you know who you come there to interact and talk to the guest too so I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird. Th- it's a weird thing. Is like, are you guys gonna go listen to the podcast if you saw it live and you got to interact and talk to the guests yourselves with, through questions? I don't know. Should I leave? Should I make it live just for the last hour where it's just Q and A from the audience um, and leave the actual conversation to the audio? Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of things involved here, so I, I'm not sure how I'm going to approach it if it does come up. But uh, I'm thinking that it's probably just going to be like me being rash one day and just be like, "Fuck it, I'm just doing it," and I'll just jump on Twitch, and then all of a sudden I'll be live, and who knows what will happen. But uh, yeah, that, it's a uh, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting platform, and I know I've been talking about it a lot, but you guys can check. Uh, me out every Sunday on Twitch with my lovely wife on Acoustic Soul Sundays at ra- at twitch.tv slash randommystique, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E dot com. No, no dot com. 
But you can go to RainyMystique.com and find the latest single, Chloroform, from Rainy Mystique and The Concrete Project. Uh, so go check that out. You can also like, subscribe, review to the show. It's, uh, you can like us on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a review and on iTunes or wherever you can leave a review for podcasts. You can leave a review. Uh, you can also reach out to us on social media or YouTube, and we'll read your uh, comments and your questions on air. And if you want to write the show, you can write it at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. So that's it. There's no huge report this week other than <clears throat> I'm still thinking about doing Twitch. And God, I, I just don't know about this ending here. This is just a long, drawn-out piece of shit of a... <laughs> of an end cap here but i don't know if you if you made it this far then i love you i love you so much thank you so much for doing that i, I can't believe that you want to hear me ramble on and i don't know if i want to hear me ramble on um sometimes when i'm editing this is just me in my ear just blah 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 and, um, and you can hear my spit like coming out and the phlegm in my throat and I know I'm being hard on myself. I, I should be better to myself. But it, there, there's just some harsh realities that we have to come to sometimes. You know, there's a harsh reality that I smoke so much weed and my mouth s produces way too much saliva. So I have I have a gravel. Sometimes I, I, I'm sometimes I'm phlegmy. Sometimes I'm real spitty. Sometimes I'm so spitty that I inhale my own spit. It's ridiculous. I'm just coughing and choking on my own spit. Because I produce too much saliva, and I and and I'm just too reactive, and I'm just too impulsive. You hear how I talk? I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's fucking crazy. Okay, so, um, yeah. All right. Be good to your fellow human beings. HJs for everybody. Next week we're going to Barcelona, Spain, to talk to Paul Cortesi. Um, Paul has been living in Barcelona, Spain, for the last 20 years or something and he's a viola player a classical viola player he is a he's a virtuoso he's a teacher a professor out there at a conservatory in barcelona spain he travels all over the world uh playing in different uh, ensembles uh in the classical world of course and uh but he's very funny and all he wants to do is say fuck so i love that i love that paul was just excited to come on my show and say fuck. He's a Midwest guy from Wisconsin, uh, but he hasn't lived there in many years. Uh, so, uh, but uh, it was a great conversation. And uh, we, we, this was, oh my God, it was from at the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, it gets a little heavy. And, um, anyways, that's next week. Uh, <laughs> tune in next week to get real bummed out. Uh, no, you won't be bummed out. It's really funny. And Paul is. He's just a, he's a great conversationalist, and, and uh, anyways, you'll find out then. So be good to your fellow. Oh my God! Be good to your fellow human beings. HJs for everyone. I'll see you guys next week with Paul Cortez. <laughs>